Aaron wears this Batman sweatshirt that has the, the hood that's a mask and everything the whole time. It's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> Speaking of Batman. Yeah. Are you guys ready? I'm really excited for this one. I have to admit, I kind of dozed off like in the last 35 to 40 minutes of the movie last night. <laughs> but it's all right. It's a three hour fucking yeah. movie. The so. very first time I watched it when I just sat to like, in, like watch it and enjoy it. Uh, I fell asleep towards the end. You fall asleep during the movie? I, I, I made it. endorsement for the movie, you guys. It's, <laughs> it's just, it, I'm just a tired person, and I shouldn't start movies at like 10. These are pre-show 11. rambles. Yeah. <laughs> 10, 11 o'clock at night is maybe a bit too late to start a three-hour movie. but Oh, okay. Sure. Right. right that's right really on. good for me. That is. Hey, I'm proud of you. Me too. Woo. I'm not going to clap, though. Oh, Okay. You don't deserve her applause. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Bubblies, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's the podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen. And today, I welcome back to the Podbat Cave, Eric and Laura, so we can talk about vengeance. Broody, broody vengeance. As we spelunk deep into the Bat Cave once again and take on the Batman. Welcome back, Laura and Eric. Spurlunk deep. <laughs> I thought you guys would like that. I really like that. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. How are you guys? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Yeah, me too. Even after watching a three-hour movie three times. <laughs> Is this only your third time watching it? Because I remember, I thought you would be on like your 10th playthrough of this right now, like Jen is with Suicide Squad. The Suicide I only have so much of an attention span. And to be fair, I'm on like my fair. fourth or fifth run through, you know, the Harley Quinn animated show. Oh, right on. That's such a good yeah, show. Yeah, it's I'm, awesome. It doesn't get old. I really love it. I well, I hope I I hope they I hope I hope they drop the release date soon because I know we know it's coming out this summer. We just don't know when yet. I know, and I want it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> well, these two are back, and we are going to be talking about the latest Batman movie, The Batman. Uh, we've already talked about all of the Batmans on a previous episode, so you all should check that out if you haven't already. So, because, yeah, when we had recorded the previous episode, this movie had, like, just been announced or release date or something. It was still, it hadn't come out yet. It was still pretty new. And we were all fairly excited and willing to give it a chance. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. So we'll get into our thoughts on it and how it compares to, uh, previous Batmans and everything, but we'll go ahead and do our quick little spoiler warning slash synopsis for 2022's The Batman available on HBO stars Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz and Jeffrey Wright, plus many, many more. And here we have like a junior batman of sorts still very early in his batmanning gordon has to vouch for him to the gcpd he's very angry and angsty towards alfred but he stays busy by tracking a very very scary riddler taking on a very i can't believe that's colin farrell penguin and gotham's favorite mob family the falcones 
all while being smitten like a kitten with Zoe Kravitz. I mean, Catwoman. So, <laughs> general thoughts on the movie. How many times have I you guys watched it? it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, get into it, girl. <laughs> you wanted a general thought. I, mean, I, I loved it. Fair enough. Like, you know, in our last recording, I explained why, like, Kevin Conroy's Batman portrayal was my Batman because he was a detective. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this character, this Batman, Robert Pattinson's iteration is, you know, m- a more emo version. But, Very emo. <laughs> <laughs> so gothy. He's a detective. He's actually working through the clues. And I, as soon as I realized that that was going to be the way the movie was going to go, I was just like, yes, finally. Nice. Why does it have to be, a, you know, militaristic dystopian future and all the other Batmans? Like, why, yeah. where's the detectiving? And finally seeing that on the big screen just really worked for me. Sure. Yeah, and I have to agree with her 100% on that one. Um, So yesterday was only my second time watching the movie, but I was just as impressed with it uh, my second time as I was the first time. Um, And I was saying this entire time, especially on social social medias to all the haters out there, that if you get over the sparkling vampire bullshit, Robert Pattinson's an amazing actor. And I had very little doubt that he wasn't going to pull this off. He was just so, so good. He, it ex- really exceeded my expectations. Um, the bat, so you know how every, well, not every Batman, but a lot of Batmans have like their bat voice. Robert Pattinson's took me a little bit to get into just only at the beginning. But after a while, I was like, you know what? This is how I could picture a younger Batman sounding. So not just how he portrayed the character physically, but how he portrayed the character, um, I guess as far as how, how he presents himself and uh, how he presents himself vocally is very impressive as well. And yeah, I just loved the overall tone of the movie. I think every every actor in this movie, every single one played their role the way that it would have played out. I felt like I was literally watching a comic book. This, this is how I felt watching this movie. I was watching... A, li- a real live action comic. Fuck the MCU shit and all the other Batmans. This felt like a true comic to me. So I loved it. But it also had that like noir aspect to it. Oh yeah. Really, like, yeah. Classic see. Batman. And there's so many Batman stories out there that have that noir feeling to it. I agree with you. Yeah. I really yeah. liked it. I was very, I went into it very open-minded. As I've said before, I haven't seen anything else with Robert Pat- Robert Pattinson in it other than like that one Harry Potter movie, but I didn't watch the movie for him. Patrick Diggory. He just happened Patrick to be Diggory in it. Died. <laughs> <laughs> <My> boy. <laughs> you have seen it. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> so I was more than happy, more than willing to give this dude a chance. And I thought he did a really good job. I will say I like his Batman more than his Bruce. I didn't care. And maybe that's mm-hmm. just because I didn't care for where Bruce is in this time period. Because like mm-hmm. I said, he's kind of a shit towards Alfred. And I really just didn't like that. Yeah. Don't, don't be mean to Alfred. <laughs> right, right. I um, didn't have a problem with the Bruce Wayne part because, you know, 
the movie does a really good job in the narrative voiceover part in the beginning Mm -hmm. of explaining where he is in his life in this moment and if he was if he was behaving more maturely and more put together like you know like we see with a more mature Bruce Wayne Batman iteration um I would have I would have been really confused by that. Yeah. Like it was Yeah, good. sure. I mean, it makes like, sense story-wise. Right, but he was early in his career as Batman, but this and that's like a point where it's obsessive to him, you know. Mm-hmm. Like yep. he's not going to have balance in his life. He's definitely not going to have emotional stability. He's not sleeping. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought though that his portrayal of Bruce Wayne under those circumstances was accurate. But again, that's yep. not how people often think of bruce wayne so there's a lot of criticism on that side but no there were like really subtle things that he did in the few scenes where he was being bruce wayne and not batman that really really made that work like that um scene where alfred's starting to work on the cypher while they're waiting for the bankers to show up for breakfast yeah yeah Mm -hmm. he comes out to the breakfast table and is like you know kind of kind of like eating fruit without thinking about it and he squints at the sunlight because he's basically become a nocturnal animal mm-hmm. um yeah. i mean this is all within the just, first two years of him being bad yeah, yeah. Keep that I mean, in mind. That, oh no i get it uh, and it, yeah, and it makes that sense. little detail and even like the t-shirt he puts on in that scene like it is an ill-fitting t-shirt like like Something he probably bought from Walmart. Someone I love that you Walmart. picked up yeah. on that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, he really doesn't care about this yeah. aspect of his life right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. He's in a very emo- deep in a life changing life changing trance in his uh, right now. You know, at this stage of where he's at. I mean, that, I mean, they they never really say how old he is, but I'm guessing what maybe at this point he's like twenty. Three, he's like he's maybe? gonna be like 32 or 33 is my assumption because isn't oh, really? it like around okay. 30 because so? well all christian bale yeah. in batman begins in his first one he just turns 30 so for oh. kind of going along that same timeline age so sure sure he'd, okay he'd be early 30s maybe so. like, yeah early 30s at the at the very at the very earliest maybe like 29 sure something yeah. like that i totally agree okay that makes sense so. but he's in a transition in his life right now where he's the batman but at the same time, he doesn't know who he really is. And he's he's more concerned about vengeance mm-hmm. and vengeance and and, and, and putting vengeance. fear mm-hmm. into the heart of the criminals of, uh, of Gotham, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't think at this point in his life as bad at this point is his is as him being Batman that. He's not at the point yet where he's all about ju- he's not really about justice per se. Like he wants justice, but I don't feel like he truly fights for justice yet. He fights to stop the bad guy and he won't kill them, but also he has no limitations as far as what he'll do to prevent them from doing from people mm-hmm. doing bad shit. And I don't think he's really cares too much about the whole law aspect of it per se, even though we see him working with the police. He just wants to get the bad guy. Right. Yeah. No, like I said, it makes sense where he it makes sense that he's that Bruce is this way in his timeline and everything and and where he's at uh, kind of all really early in that career. It makes total sense. And Robert Pattinson does a really good job kind of conveying that more emo goth 
uh, broodier side of still struggling with all of that, that kind of identity and who he is and trying to figure out where he's going to fit in that whole outer world persona of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, so yeah. I just, mm -hmm. but I, <laughs> like I said, I don't like that he was mean to Alfred. <laughs> so it's for total superficial reasons, but uh, I, I, I mean, it was, was he mean to Alfred throughout the whole movie? I don't think he was not mean the to him, whole like, the movie. entire he time. He was still, he still had, he was just kind of snippy with him. Really. He was just, That's how well, it was. of course he has to drop the, you know, I'll, I'll give this movie credit in that we didn't have to watch Martha and Thomas Wayne die again oh, and get the yeah. famous shots of the pearls dropping, mm -hmm. but we still got something that I felt is still fairly common enough in Batman's story, Bruce's story, where he at some point lashes out at Alfred and does the whole, like, you're not my father. And yeah, there was that yeah. one. And then the one with, um, Alfred and the cufflinks. Oh, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. So, and like that whole exchange is fine until that kind of last little snippy snide comment of from Bruce about like, oh, so you think you're a Wayne, huh? Yeah. And, and Alfred's like, I got these from your dad, you little shit. Get the fuck out of here <laughs> before I kick your ass. Right. But, so it's like these little snippy things. And then even when Bruce visits Alfred in the hospital, you know, he's just finding out all these secrets and everything. So it's understandable that he's upset, but he just, <laughs> Alfred opens his eyes and Bruce is just like on his shit immediately. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, I like the that man. scene being like that. I mean, it's a great scene, but I'm like, dude, give the man a chance to breathe. But I get it. Like but, I said, it, it it makes sense, but I don't have to like it. <laughs> the end of the exchange. The end of the exchange with the cufflinks was funny too because his his awkward storm off walk. I know that's probably not how Robert Pattinson normally walks. And you know, me being someone who walks weird, I notice it when other people do. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> you know, you know how it's like that's selective attention or something like that. It's some sort of bias that you have where like because you have this thing, you notice when other people have this thing. Oh, totally. Like yeah. when you get a new car, you see more of that car around. Yes, it's the same yeah. kind of thing for me. It's just with the way people walk. And it's not a judgmental thing. It's just like, oh, neat. He's doing something different. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but yeah. So I... the whole bat walk thing was really fun for me because I'm like, they're putting emphasis on the way that both Batman and Bruce Wayne walk. And it's mm -hmm. really interesting because Batman's walk is so methodical and intimidating and patient yeah. but bruce wayne's walk is awkward like he doesn't know how to behave and like <laughs> that's what i mean there's these little things about his portrayal of bruce wayne at this point in his life that i'm like yeah this is great right 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 well there's still a lot of immaturity there you know oh, i absolutely. mean I mean, I think a lot in a lot of the a lot of the uh, other Batman movies that we're seeing that we've seen before, you know, we've basically seen Bruce Wayne accept now who he is, and you know, his relationship with Alfred has grown over time to actually be a fatherly figure at that point. I mean, yeah, you're like Jen said, at least once in every Batman movie, there's a "fuck you, Alfred" moment from Bruce, <laughs> but exactly for, for the most part, though, I think we are used to seeing this you know fatherly son type relationship between the two but in this yeah you're right it's more about the you're not my dad kind mm -hmm. of thing and um 
But again, this is this is a growing Bruce Wayne we're seeing here, a growing man who's caught between the bat and his other life, you know, and he sometimes can't divide the two. Mm -hmm. So and Alfred, I guess sometimes maybe at the beginning, maybe he just felt like even though he was helping him. Maybe Alfred just sometimes felt, he felt like Alfred was in the way sometimes. I don't know. Um, I can see that. Yeah. There was something about also his, maybe because it's so early in his Batmaning that there was things about it that kind of reminded me of the series Gotham with a very, with a child, mm-hmm, Bruce Wayne. Sure. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, I love how no one gives a shit about what age Alfred is in any version. Nope. <laughs> Or the accent. I love it. As long as he looks older than Bruce, that's all that matters. (laughs) Ben Ben Affleck and Jeremy Irons, for example, were pretty close in age, actually. But as long as one looks older. Just looks a little older. Yeah, Yeah. right, right. But yeah, there was something that, something about, yeah, Robert's Bruce and just kind of Bruce again in this time period that felt reminiscent of Gotham's young Bruce and kind of that relationship because it's still because the murders of Martha and Thomas are so fresh so it's natural and understandable that a young child is acting out this way through all those seasons and everything Mm -hmm. you know and again and you know you guys are right in that we've we don't see a lot of this early stage of Bats slash Bruce. So we were used to seeing him a bit more established and a bit more of, you know, broody, but knows how to turn on the Bruce face and the Brucey charm and and all of that shit. So I do like that we are getting more of this time period of Bruce where he, he doesn't know how to be Bruce. He's still yeah. kind of figuring out Batman. He just he knows he likes the suit and the K. He all the gadgets, all those wonderful toys. Yeah. But he hasn't he he hasn't, for lack of a better phrase, like blossomed yet to balance the two kind of sure. personalities, lifestyles. Right, you and know, it makes him seem more realistic. I agree. I agree with that. Seeing too. that struggle and seeing right. him fall falter and stuff and stumble. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how familiar you are, Jen, with uh, some of some of the more iconic Batman stories in the comic books. Laura, I think you oh, might you be. Oh, you know, a... I'm not. Oh, I think Laura, <laughs> you might be uh, familiar, uh, a little familiar with some with some stories. But like, um, there's two particular stories. Actually, there's like four particular stories that come to mind when I think about this movie. But particularly, there's Batman Year One, and there's uh, Batman: The Long Halloween, and these are. Uh, two... I know both of those. So fuck hell yeah! Both if they've of been these... turned into animated movies, then I've seen them. <laughs> uh, they, actually, the Long Halloween has and Jensen That's Ackles it? was the Long uh, Halloween just came out right. like two years ago, I think. Yeah, Jensen yeah. Ackles was the voice of, of Bruce Wayne slash Batman in. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So I have yeah. seen that one because Ross went through that whole like DC phase of watching all the animated movies on HBO, and so of sure. course you know we're gonna seriously. Both of those are some dark Jensen. shit though. They really are. And, you know, but they're very good. They're very good stories about the early on days of Bruce Wayne as Batman. They they really are. And I feel like a lot of it, a lot of influence from this movie came from those two particular stories, Um, especially in the long Halloween with him tracking the serial killer. So kind of portraying that onto tracking the Riddler. Mm -hmm. Um, What was was, the Riddler is a serial killer in Batman year one as well. So. It, yeah. It, oh, yeah, yeah. True. Um, have you ever heard of a uh, ba- uh, Batman ego? No. Batman 
Batman Ego is an, is another good story where it's about it doesn't focus on the Riddler, it focuses more on the Joker. But the premise about how the Joker has kind of like for lack of better words, bought off like the politicians and the police and stuff like that. And they they're they they work for him completely out of fear. Oh, like Falcone? Like Falcone, mm-hmm. exactly. So I feel like there's a lot of influence in this mm-hmm. that came from that. Also, there's a there's another great one called Batman Zero Year, not Year One, but Zero Year. And Zero Year is an amazing, amazing story that actually is supposed to be about modern Batman's first, uh, first real uh, battle with the Riddler, where the Riddler actually floods Gotham in this story, and oh. but that happens closer to the beginning of the story, and then after that the uh batman basically spends the rest of the story basically fighting off the the riddler who has created his own gotham in this now dystopiated flooded version of gotham and it's it's a pretty interesting story so again that's batman's zero year and i'm wondering if that will be more of an influence on the sequel then because it looked like at the end of this movie like you know those criminals that survived the these events um, are are going to be vying for their place within. I that, actually, I that actually reminded have... me of Harley Quinn animated. Series. It did, yeah. <laughs> when they were making when they were making new new Gotham. Yeah. I, have a, I don't know if yeah, I don't know if you want if we want to jump that far ahead yet, Jen. But I mean, I piggyback piggybacking off of what she said. I have so, a. Th- theory of what we'll save I think the theories is with the we'll save one. the theories for the end because that's part okay. of the wrapping it up we'll do that so but with we can we can segue into the riddler since we're talking about the comic storylines that involve the riddler because yeah, I, mean... I love this riddler i love a i love this scary ass zodiacy fucking riddler super so scary the riddler is played by is it paul dano or paul dano i'm not sure how to pronounce his last i think it's, I think it's dano I, I, Ooh, okay. I've been saying Dan, yeah. but okay. He did an amazing job. And, you know, I've seen a lot of posts on social media and stuff. Like, was he better than Heath Ledger's Joker? Or did he make, like, the whole Dark Knight trilogy just completely obsolete? And I think that's an unnecessary comparison to Absolutely. make. Because they're yeah. two different bodies of work. They're two different pieces of art. They're, you know, from yeah. very different time periods and everything. Um, yeah. But... Wait, you know, can I, just I don't ask... want to take away from either performance, but the no. Riddler was amazing in this movie. But can I just ask, like, why do, why do like comic fans, like DC fans, have to pin movie against movie? Why do they have to rank against... everything? Right, like this is not this is not a Nolan movie. This is something different. We can have right. these different versions, these different stories, these different takes, because you know what? Because They're fucking comic book because movies. Because fandoms are toxic. That's Ugh. why. They really they are. are. You'd think They're they'd be used to this, because how many different <laughs> storylines, story arcs are there in Batman's history? From different yeah, artists, different exactly. authors, different time periods. Like, I mean, come on. Get I mean, honestly, it. if that's the case, am I going to compare the compare this movie to like Batman and Robin? You know, <laughs> yes, do it. <laughs> So, oh, I'm sorry. Just, Did I just spoil my feelings on the subject? Please don't do it. It just it just doesn't make sense to compare the movies because mm-hmm. one, both movies were taken in completely different artistic directions. All right. Well, here's all they I can ca- say about that is, mm-hmm. um, Batman and Robin was bad. Oh, yeah, of course, it was terrible. I'm not comparing it to anything in order to say that it just was bad. I appreciated yeah. the puns in it though. 
But <laughs> chill. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I but the Arnold that line. Are great. I always remember that line. Take two of these and call me in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say the only thing about Batman and Robin that was the saving grace was Arnold Schwarzenegger's puns. Yeah, was I the only thing I love. He had about like a hundred some puns or something. I think <laughs> it, was it was fantastic so because so he did good. them so straight faced. But I wonder like how many outtakes there was for that. But I digress. It was just bad because it was bad. Like I'm not gonna compare any movie to any movie right. here, especially exactly. if they're all DC based. I'm not gonna rank them. I don't care. But I will say that this iteration of Batman is the Batman that I love the most. Yeah. And this iteration of Riddler honestly took Riddler to a whole new level for me. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, he's always been smart and, you know, witty and, yes, has puns. So, of course, I'm going to appreciate that. But this was just, it made him feel more real. Yes. Yes. And you know, the whole social media aspect of it too actually really plays into the realism mm-hmm. of it as well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It really, it really does. And I've, re- and I know I joked about this in the, uh, in the chat, but that's because I saw it in the, uh, uh, the Batman honest trailers, but it's so true that the Riddler was an, is an influencer really yeah. in this movie. And he is, he had like 500 followers. But, but that's had... the funniest line in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, like 500 <laughs> followers is a lot when there's people on Twitter that have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. Yeah. But we're talking about 500 followers that are supporting a, a, a supposed unhinged, yeah. unhinged lunatic I, I put that in air quotes. Cause I, I want to say more about that later, but just who are giving him advice about detonators mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, you're going to, despite people out there having hundreds of thousands of followers, there's going to be a very small group of people that are going to go into this type of social media, you know? So for 500, for what to 500 people like in that same mindset is a lot to help this one person accomplish his goal. That's a fair point. And you know, he is strangely charismatic when he's wearing his mask, which is yeah. weird because like I was reading about the mask and there's like the, the layer of plastic wrap and everything. It's like, how can he breathe? How can he enunciate so clearly <laughs> while he's in this mask? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Paul Dano just did something that I don't think we've ever seen any uh, actor do in any Batman movie. And I'll even say it. I don't even think yeah, even on the level of what people would compare to Heath Ledger. I mean, yeah, that was its own separate thing, mm-hmm. but he really brought Batman villainy to a whole new level. I felt like, yeah, I like this. I like this very scary, very real, very social media influencer version of the Riddler. Like, yeah. I, like the Riddler has yeah. always been, I've never been scared of the Riddler. You know what I mean? Between well, who thinks of the Riddler like that kind of serial killer though? Exactly. You know? So yeah. it's like, even back to like Adam West's, I mean, Adam West's, everything is just silly and campy and everything, but <laughs> yeah. the Riddler has never really evolved on screen wise since then. You know, like, right. He wasn't no version that I've seen on a live action version has ever been like scary. And even, yeah. I mean, even the Riddler version in the Harley Quinn animated series is not I scary. Him. I love oh, him too. I love him. And I, I love, love the though. voice. And I love, I can't, yeah. I can't think of the actor's name that does the voice, but he plays like the Dean in uh community. community. Yeah. And so that's, oh, okay. that's the only person I picture is I actually picture Dean just like in a Riddler's costume. <laughs> Hilarious. But that's kind of what he but, is. It's great. <laughs> yeah, but it's 
So I I like that they made him scary and made him like a more more of a real threat, if that makes sense. And then the whole social media influencer, Eric, you're right, 500 when it's a total like dangerous terrorist level extremist mindset is scary. And at first it like it's just the that whole kind of recruitment process and it puts a whole new kind of spin on these villains acquiring their goons and their henchmen because in earlier versions we might see some unhinged version of, of a villain standing in some dark back alley on a soapbox preaching whatever dangerous rhetoric but being very yeah. charismatic about it and creating that follower but in 2022, we don't have that. We have the dark web and yeah. forums and shit like that. And it's the same thing. It's just digital. So I I did kind of chuckle, though, because at first when all the henchmen types started coming out, um, I was just like, at first, I just, again, I thought of Harley Quinn. And I was like, oh, do they like the basement where they keep all the henchmen versus uh, like just the side? Oh, yeah, but what Bane brings them down? Well, I couldn't help thinking of Harley Quinn while you were talking about this because you made the distinction between goons and henchmen. <laughs> I just watched that episode last night. I That's love it. I, I don't know. I think there is a difference. Anyways. <laughs> I, I feel like henchmen, henchmen is like a promotion from Goon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, it was it was supervillain, sidekick, goon, hench. Oh, oh really? Okay. Oh, okay. 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 The hierarchy that was, that was of funny. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Um, but yeah, you're right. And you know, again, just like there were subtleties in you know the like dichotomy between Batman and Bruce Wayne, there was with the Riddler. And, you know, uh, whatever his real name is in this movie, because he had like three different identities. I know it's supposed to be Edward Nygma, but, you know. I think um, it still was Edward. Like when they, yeah. I think they still finally they sh- ID'd him, ID'd him, and it was still Edward, but not Nygma. Right. Yeah. I don't think I caught the last names that were on the, well, he had two IDs, didn't he? he and had, I think both of them had the name Edward on it. Yeah. yeah. But, one had, one um, had a Peter on it. Sorry, that, was, oh. that sounded dirty. <laughs> it was really interesting, though, because, like, as the Riddler with his mask and everything, like, like I said, he was intensely charismatic. He sounded strong, forceful even at times, uh, you know, a little emotional, on, emotionally unstable when he got upset, but he'd rein it back in, you know. And then when he doesn't have his mask on and he's just edward his look is so not intimidating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. his but voice, is, his but voice is softer but isn't I, that like even sca- isn't that even scarier like he just looks like your everyday guy you know yeah you would walk past on the street like you your everyday guy. he looks yeah. like a child well i mean paul dano i think just has that look to him naturally but what well, i'm saying uh, is no, like i think they accentuated it here because i've seen pictures of paul dano like headshots or production shots or whatever and that's where i'd be like yeah he just looks like your everyday average guy right they made him look more youthful and like um immature somehow like again there's just subtleties in the looks for these characters that really like drive home the, the point of 
who their true selves are and who they're uncomfortable being. But I mean, he delivered one of his most, uh, just, it's just a a perfect line from the Gotham jail cell, like uh, from the Arkham jail cell, really. It was was a really bad riddle, but it's just funny. (laughs) You know, what was black and blue and dead all over? Mm-hmm. You, <laughs> like, the way he said you, it's just so awesome. I loved it. Yeah. Like, that's the part that made me go, ooh. <laughs> right, right. You know, and it's just that what I really did like about this Joker, like it, or Joker, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Riddler, is you know, since we're on the topic of you know the way that this this man looks under the mask. You know, I could be standing behind this guy in a grocery store or, you know, standing next to him at a gas station or just whatever, just see a person who looks like this out in public. And I probably, you know, I mean, I don't look at people and think, oh, God, this guy looks like he would fucking blow up the city. But I, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's a suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he sometimes I'll see somebody and I'll be like, um, I don't think I'd want to pick a fight with that guy. That guy looks intimidating. You know, he's big, he's bulky. And Paul just, you know, he's more of a, he's more, you know. Unassuming? I suppose, yeah. You know, he doesn't look, he's not super built, you know. He he looks a little, little geeky. He's got, you know, the funny haircut, you know, and all that. It's just like, just somebody who I wouldn't think that would be conducting terrorist plots, you know. Mm -hmm. But. I think that's what makes this character so, so much more compelling and scarier is that he is an un, he is, he, he, he says, I'm no, in the movie, he says, I am nobody. And maybe in a sense, that's true. Like you wouldn't expect this person to do the things that he's doing. He could walk past you, you know, all right. So take the scene in the, uh, at the funeral, for instance, you know, He's standing there in the cathedral the entire time, even when the car crashes through, and he's unmasked. Nobody knows that he's this guy who just just put this all this whole scheme together, and well, it's fucking right. crazy. Why, why would you look at him and automatically assume like this is your guy? And that's but the thing I you have, wouldn't. I have two other points to say on that subject. Like yeah, go right again, ahead. When they went with his look to try, like again, they try, they made him look almost cherub-like. Yes, I and was it goes say really that. well with him singing Ave Maria. Yep. In that that oh God, almost soprano that he's doing, like you know, it just it kind of communicates this false sense of innocence. And this is this is something that I have experienced for myself because you know. Uh, I don't age very much. I'm not a, a large person and I'm disabled. So I get assumed to be more innocent than I am. So again, maybe I noticed this more sure. than, than you both did, but I felt like they were doing that on purpose. But also I couldn't help also getting, and I, I hate to put a serious note on things right now, but um, school shooter vibes yes. from the way oh, that sure. he was put together. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Probably someone who may have been bullied, uh, you know, or just kind of tipped over the edge. Sure. I get it. Yeah. He just had that look, you know, they did a really good job of, I I, I agree, Laura, that I agree that they made him look more innocent and cherub 
cherubic nope uh cherubic i don't know lord cherub like cherub like (laughs) (laughs) i know the word exists because i saw it somewhere and i don't remember where i saw it but i know okay i can't pronounce it but i agree that they definitely tried to make him look more innocent and unassuming when we did see him less disarming but the thing that i kind of found interesting too was when he's got his mask on and he's in full scary riddler mode and he's doing like the here's my hostage yada yada but then when the way he addresses his followers is that softer like hey guys that you know a little bit more not as confident and not as strong mm-hmm. and not as scary and that's where i kind of was picking up more of that homegrown kind of terrorist vibe, school shooters, what have you, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just kind of feeling. And so I think this movie does a really good job taking all these real world threats, villains, if you will, in, in a sense, and encompassing it in a character that has never really been that in the past. You know, that's right. always been kind of been more Joker's thing. And oh, I'm not trying to compare the two, but they did uh paul dano does a really good job making the making this riddler his and And i I, would like to see more of this riddler and to piggyback off what you just said i do actually i i I completely now i've never thought about it so you just said this but you know when we look at social media now a lot of people pretend to be somebody that they're not on social media but in this case we do kind of get the opposite we get him going on to talking to his followers and seeming like he's a little more vulnerable you know opening himself up a little more you know he's not using that deep voice like he does when he's you know just doing his riddler stuff you know he's being more i guess I don't want to say himself because he said earlier in the in the film that he's more himself in the mask than he is when he without it, but he's just that more vulnerable cell vulnerable kid probably from when he you know when it, when uh, when he was younger, but outside of social media is when I feel like he's truly becoming who he believes he is mm-hmm. you know and the nowadays you know we don't see a lot of that it's all it's usually the opposite of way the opposite of what the opposite way and I, I i like that i really like that he just made himself more vulnerable and open to those who were supporting him and if you read the comments that are on his computer screen when he's talking to them a lot of these people are talking to them a lot of these people in the same mindset as him are saying we're with you we support you you have our love mm-hmm. stuff like that so he felt like he could truly be himself when he's talking to his audience. Yeah, they gave him that confidence boost. Exactly, yeah. It just, yeah. It just made him a fantastically and subtly complex character. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He, in the end, so one thing about Paul Dano's uh, character, uh, version of the Riddler reminds me a lot of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker in a, the sense that what the what they're apparently fighting for is in the end what they see to be for the greater good one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter basically and the way i see it is he's fighting against the corruption or you know in a way by killing these corrupt politicians and police officers because they've been lying to the people of gotham for all these years you know uh the uh oh I can't remember that one. Um, what was that uh, um, thing that uh, the politicians were trying to renew? 
Oh, just it's that the Gotham renewal. renewal Project. Yeah. Oh, was it just called the Renewal Project? Okay. Well, how yeah. the Renewal Project was just uh, was really uh, set up to look like it was a plan that was going to help those help those in needs, but all it really did was line the pockets of the rich and the corrupt. Well, you know? to to be fair, it was supposed to be that, but Thomas and Martha were murdered, and it, it and then it just yeah, I got and turned then on they its just head. yeah, and then they just went for it like a bunch of right. vultures. So right. I, I don't think Riddler at all, like most villains probably, maybe except for the Joker, really. Uh, Riddler, I don't think saw himself truly as a bad guy here. Um, I think he felt like he was he was really cleansing Gotham of the corruption to make it a better place to live. But the only way that he could think to do this was through violence. But isn't that all villains? Do they like, I don't most think so. villains don't really see themselves as a villain, especially early in their villainy. Well, some and, people and know they're bad. And a lot of villains, I think always, at least from what we see in, in media is it's, you know, that, that, the idea isn't bad. Calling out the corrupt, calling out the hypocrisy, that's great, right? We want to see more of that. But of maybe course. not. But then that's the thing about these the villains is that they're willing to take it to that extreme and blow everybody up. But that's the thing. That, and that's what I mean by, you know, one, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Because yeah. is it really, mm -hmm. I mean, they make good points in both this movie and The Joker mm -hmm. about... You know, there's all this corruption, but nothing's being done. The police aren't doing anything about mm -hmm. it. And you got a city as corrupt as Gotham. Yeah, you got a mass vigilante out there that's fighting for just, you know, vengeance. justice and vengeance. But in the end, when nothing gets done and the people are continuously to suffer year after year after year and the rich get richer, the corrupt become more corrupt, you know, and it's just it's an endless it's a cycle, basically. Mm -hmm. At what point does a person just say, you know what, I, I've had enough. And I think that's what's happened here with, with him, is he's yeah, had enough. I don't think that's all of it, though. Oh, I'm You're sure there's, right. a, there's, a lot of there's a lot of trauma going on there. You're also right, well. though. I mean, he turned to violence, but why did he turn to violence? Because it's working for the Batman. That, I mean, what did yeah. his followers say when they were getting beat up by Batman? I'm vengeance. Batman True. was his inspiration and he in turn was their inspiration. Like Batman has ownership in this, whether he likes it or not. Oh, sure. And, and I feel like, you know, the movie presented that well because it, it gave Bruce or the Batman pause in those moments to realize, yeah. sure, his approach was working to a degree, but look what it's done. Mm -hmm. He has to do better. And I think that's what lays the groundwork for him to be a better Bruce Wayne. And mm -hmm. that's actually why I think later on, actually, no, no, uh, I'll save that for, I'll save that for <laughs> towards the end of the conversation. I almost jumped ahead. That's all right. What do you think, Jen? Look, all I'm going to say is that the longer I am on this planet, the more Thanos makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> is Thank all I'm, you. but I'm also acknowledging that I am making that step towards a villainous action because I have almost hit that point of like, of literal snapping. And yeah. even Tim and I were joking about it the other day and he kept snapping his fingers. He's like, why isn't it working? But if it came right down to it in true reality, personally, I, 
I couldn't knowingly and willingly make that cross that line. Now, sure. I maybe I get swept up in something. Maybe I'm I'm manipulated because someone is a really good speaker and they make a lot of good points, and I'm just getting blindsided by the bright and shiny and someone that finally agrees because that's what happens a lot of the, a lot of times in in cults or in dangerous you know kind of scenarios mm -hmm. like this yeah, where you yeah, have an yeah, evil absolutely. quote evil type leader right you know i would like to think that i wouldn't get caught up in that but it would just depend i guess on how much i agree with the overall not the violence part but the calling out the corruption and holding those people accountable kind of thing i would yeah. probably be one of those henchmen or goon types where once I saw it cross that line, if there was no other hint of violence or murder or anything like that, and it was just a, a we'll take care of it kind of thing, and maybe being willfully blind to the possibility of it being murder, then, then I, oh God, I think I rambled so long, I forgot where I was going with it. But I, I, I don't, I would like to think that I'm strong enough to not get wrapped up in something like that, regardless of how much I agree with it. I would like to think that I would be aware enough to ask the questions of, is this going to involve murder? If so, I want no part in it because yeah, I would be that goon of seeing it and being like, oh, yeah. oh no, oh no, no, no. I made a huge fucking mistake. And by mm. that point, it's probably too late, at least for me, maybe, yeah. I don't know, but I, I do like how they they did that with not just any old Gotham villain, but the Riddler, as I've said, making the Riddler scary and what I feel like is a real threat. You know, Jim Carrey's Riddler, mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, oh, he's funny, he's silly, he wears the outfits well, and but his whole TV thing was just so silly. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. This is real life type shit. This is more rooted in a reality that we are unfortunately more attuned in tune to. And right. I think that's what makes it makes like we've been going on about the Riddler for I don't even fucking know how long. And that's how good he of a character. It. Exactly. That's how good of a character this is in this this version. Uh how good of a job Paul Dino did bringing that character to life and making him legit scary but then also still having that kind of like oh he's got that baby face he's just an accountant you know mm -hmm. so i i that's i guess where i, I think stand. he's a good reflection <laughs> too especially considering the similarities they gave him to bruce wayne yeah. he's a yeah. really good reflection of the batman if the batman went wrong Yes, I agree. Cause yeah, the whole like orphan, uh, orphan thing and and uh, Riddler's the intelligent on... thing, the social awkwardness kind of thing, like all of that. Like, the Batman could be this if mm -hmm. if he was so inclined. And in the um, end, in the end, if you just for most people you take the murder aspect out of it, then his character is fairly relatable as far as how a lot of people feel these days mm -hmm. you know i mean i'm sure there's people out there who will do want to see that line cross but you know someone like you me laura um who probably couldn't cross that line ourselves you know we don't want to see this continue but we do want justice and mm -hmm. this is his form of justice and so yeah you're right, I guess. I, I don't think I could see myself as myself right now crossing that line. But yeah. 
in the Batman universe. Um, oh, in the Batman universe, I don't, I'm I sure. Don't I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, I may have already crossed that line. It's acceptable in the under certain circumstances, and if it's acceptable under certain circumstances for me, then in the Batman universe, then this is acceptable too. You could say because, like, again, not that this movie was about the Joker, but whether we're talking about that or whether we're talking about this version of the Riddler or even if we're talking about the corrupt people who are his targets how many lives would you save by just killing them right Mm -hmm. it's that whole like uh like the the bus scenario in like the good place or the train you know the trolley the The trolley problem the trolley problem like you know and and a lot of, we see it a lot of times in a lot of movies and in shows and stuff could you kill one to save millions, millions. yeah sure. you know? could you go back and kill baby hitler you know exactly. i mean so yeah that's a whole a other can of worms but yeah, um, that's another podcast yeah <laughs> but I'm i think that one. <laughs> <laughs> ultra open up timelines and uh so but i want to go back real quick to um a bruce and the little bit of backstory that we get about the Waynes, uh, where Martha Wayne is actually an Arkham. Her last mm-hmm. name, uh, maiden name was Arkham. I don't, was that ever something that was basically like this little backstory that we yeah. get of the Waynes? What is, has she always been an Arkham? No. No. Nope. So in this Batman is year one, new. she's an Arkham, but in most iterations of Batman, she's a Kane, another wealthy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you guys? What did you guys think of, we'll just kind of go real quick with this one, on the uh, Arkham, uh, Martha's twist, her backstory, her witnessing, like, one parent kill the other one and and having to be uh, institutionalized because of that and where that leads Thomas and how that impacts his death, how, how that honestly, leads to their death. I honestly thought this was one of the most genius moments in Batman, probably movie history. Um, and like, and like she said, only in year one, does Martha really get referred to as an Arkham, but so we don't see a lot of that. So I love that they took that influence and put it in this film. Um, just everything about that story, even though they only spent about five minutes on that part, if that, mm-hmm. it was so it impacts, quick in passing. Yeah. But it impacts everything everything as far as what bruce wayne thought his family was and what they stood for especially when thomas tried to give the reporter the hush money and when that wouldn't work he went to carmine falcone to uh put the fear of god in him as Mm -hmm. carmine put it i i thought it was genius um i would have never have thought that they would have gone there you know Mm -hmm. it's the batman universe because martha and brit and thomas wayne even have a very solid reputation in the Batman universe, but we're only seeing now more recently how, you know, this corrupt, the corruption that was within this family. They went over that a little bit in uh, Joker uh, with Thomas, uh, with, with Thomas not being such a good old hearty guy as people thought to believe. And in this, they just completely expanded on it. I loved it. I loved it. And I really hope that in future future sequels, I hope we get more insight on that. I really, really do. Right on. Well, yeah. Um, I guess 
it it follows along with the common theme. I think this makes it more real. I think it makes Thomas and Martha more real. I think it takes away from that like almost pariah like or like uh, you know they're saints and and they never did anything wrong and whoever killed them is the worst person in the world because how could you kill these these angelic do-gooders billionaires and, right yeah right uh, yeah. right they are good people they are billionaires and they are they do try to do good things with their money but they're human mm-hmm. and i was just so happy that they were portrayed <laughs> as such like, yeah, yeah. Um, i i i really enjoyed it i you know when they mentioned when they mention it in the little backstory of martha and thomas i i think i out loud was just like what she's an arkham and i was like oh i love that so much and then being institutionalized shines that much more light on just uh the arkham insane asylum and all of that i think eric you're right it's such kind of like a quick in passing bit of information but it changes and impacts i think a lot in the Batman and the Wayne family storyline and then their overall impact on Gotham and that they they were good billionaires they tried to do good but that they were kind of stuck in this corrupt city in this corrupt system and it's hard to stay good when everything is dirty as it is I mean especially when you have as much money as the Waynes do because you're gonna have a lot of people coming after you and it's like we and see- you could argue that Thomas did it for selfless reasons. He didn't care about his reputation or his campaign. He just wanted to protect his wife. That's right. That is true too. That is very so true. So we still get a little bit more of that kind of saintliness of of Mama Papa or you know Papa Wayne's. So. Yeah, but right. with a little dose of reality. Like exactly. I don't, I don't see them as martyrs, and I think right. that every other iteration of Batman that we've seen has portrayed them as martyrs. Because I think mm-hmm. we always see it as these memories through Bruce's eyes and how he still pines for his parents, understandably so and everything. But I maybe that's why we've always kind of gotten that more saintly, goody, goody. Because it's all through the eyes of a child. All through the eyes of right. a child. And now yeah. we're that's seeing it fair. all through the eyes of maybe the Riddler of like, everything's like super fucked up here, you guys. Yeah. Right, so, right. Well, I mean, yeah. it was clear in the movie that this was uh, an unsettling revelation for Bruce. Yes. Oh, yeah. So whatever whatever concept he had of his parents was shattered. Mm-hmm. Um, Just yeah. like ours. <gasps> oh, my God, we are so, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> but just from like a comic perspective, too, it was it was really nice that Martha wasn't a cane because the other bat iterations like Batgirl uh, are supposedly relatives of his on the cane side of his family. Like if he's got living relatives, where the fuck were they? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Uh, you know, family drama and whatnot and black sheep <laughs> and families and all that kind of stuff. So who knows? Right. Yeah. But come on, come on. It's a tragedy. You have an orphaned billionaire boy who you could influence and all that. So even if they had nefarious reasons, where were they? Yeah. Well, maybe what kind they, of family maybe, is that? Maybe they're more on the crops. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to try and justify it. <laughs> so I liked this because, you know, it got rid of, of 
that particular problem point for me. <laughs> Well, I just wanted to get you guys' take on that real quick. Um, I want to ask, I want to do uh, Gordon, Jeffrey Wright's version of uh, Jim Gordon. Mm -hmm. I really liked it. I felt I loved like, it. I think this is one of our more useful, helpful, bit more competent, but very much the audience version of Jim Gordon. Because there's just a couple of times where he has a few lines and it's exactly like either what I just, it just felt like he completely represented the audience. Yeah. And when he's this, while assisting uh, Batman or, yeah. or whatever. So I, I liked it. I kind of liked seeing their relationship, their budding relationship and working together. But Jim still doesn't know who this guy is. It's been two years and all of yeah. this. Uh, but Gordon completely willing to vouch for him and let, bats come in and do his batmaning and his detecting and i love that scene when they're in the police station together and and gordon's just like just give us the room you know I'll, and everyone's like all right gordon's gonna handle it and gordon's getting all <laughs> up in his face but he's telling him what to do but he looks like he's oh, talking shit it. to him you know that yeah. like that, that was great and that's just a great segue into the relationship that these two men are going to have with each other over the next however many years you know that they're mm -hmm. going to be by each other's side um jeffrey wright is is an amazing actor. I actually early only discovered his work a few years ago. And I think he's more of a TV actor than I think he is a movie actor. I, I don't know what all movie credits he has under his belt, but I know he was, you know, he's one of the stars of Westworld. Mm -hmm. He was uh, in season four or five of Boardwalk Empire. He was like the main antagonist in that season. And he's just a, such a genius actor, such a great, and he seems like such a really great man. And I think he nailed what I would consider to be a modern version of James Gordon. Now, I'm not going to lie, though. In my personal opinion, no one's going to do James Gordon better than Gary Oldman. I, I really think I'm not comparing the two. But that's, your Gary Oldman, that's your Gordon. Gary Oldman is my preferred Gordon because I just think he, he got Gordon down to a T. But this version of Gordon that we're getting here is the Gordon that's now opening up his eyes to realizing the corruption in the, the police, especially when he found out his friend, you know, the commission, mm -hmm. you know, the, the commissioner was, was corrupt as well. He had no clue, you know, he had no fucking clue, mm -hmm. but I love this Gordon. That's now becoming woke to what's going on. Yeah. And, this reminded me of Gotham. Yeah, sure. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, so um, that's really all I have to say about it. I, I just I, I I think Jeffrey Wright's gonna gonna do right by the character. He's gonna do the character uh, justice. And, Jeffrey's uh, gonna do right by the character. Yeah, hey, <laughs> I love it. Um, I love it. What? That's a one what, per episode. <laughs> what about you, Jenna? I felt like it was kind of similar to Jim Gordon's progression as a character in Gotham. Just, uh, yeah. yeah, we just came in more towards the the end of the realization yes. rather than the beginning. Did, yep. did you not? Did you get that? Oh, I, not initially, but now that you mention it, absolutely. I really like this uh, this Gordon. He is my second favorite Jim Gordon. The first favorite being Harley Quinn, voiced by Christopher Maloney. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> he's so funny. It's because oh, again, so it's a completely different take 
on Jim Gordon because really until Oldman we didn't get a lot of Jim Gordon. You're a good he- cop. <laughs> <laughs> I love when he's singing to himself. But yeah, I, you know, I think Jeffrey does a great job. Um, I respect Eric, your choice to have Oldman as your Gordon. It's, it makes a lot of sense. I've, you know, no issues with that. Um, I don't know that I personally really have a Gordon. I really haven't thought about it too much, but Jeffrey's definitely going to give any future Gordons uh, a run for their money. But I can absolutely see this being that older Gotham, TV Gotham's version, and kind of seg- how that character, how that version kind of segues into this version, the Batman, Jeffrey Wright's version. And mm-hmm. and I like that. I do, you know, yeah, now that you mention it, this movie does... It does feel like there's a lot of kind of nods or something to Gotham, which is yeah, cool. Yeah. Sure. It's a good show. Sure. Um, you know, it, just one other thing I want to say about Jeffrey Wright is, um, you know, it's funny. He, he played such a good, good Gordon. But in the end, I don't feel like he had a like a lot of standout moments. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like, not like Paul Dano or Robert Pattinson uh, did or – well, even Colin Farrell, who had who had the car chase scene, but one moment I absolutely loved with Jeffrey Wright in this movie, it was kind of towards the beginning when they're I think they're solving the Riddler's first or the thumb second. Drive. The thumb I love drive. I love That's the thumb I drive. I love the thumb, the thumb drive, drive joke. I it's love... the funniest shit. And, and just his oh. look on his face is just like oh, this guy's got a sick sense of humor. <laughs> I love that part. I love it. It's so funny. You know, <laughs> I don't think he needed to have standout moments. This isn't the Jim Gordon show. No, of course, of course. But But, I think the core of Jim Gordon's character is intact here. There's that grittiness. There's the, I'm a detective and that's important to me. And there's the, I'm, you know, a morally sound person and no amount of crazy is ever going to change that. Um, And I genuinely care about this city. And Mm -hmm. those were there. And you know what else? I love that they cast him in this and they were so unapologetic about it. Yeah. Because you immediately got your toxic fan base up in arms about the fact that Mm -hmm. Jim Gordon wasn't, you know, the stereotypical white male police officer. Um, I'm glad because why why does that need to be a defining part of his character? If he has all of those things that I just mentioned, who cares? Now, you know that's funny. Of Absolutely. all the all the shit talk that I actually read about on uh, on like Facebook and stuff about you know the casting choices in this movie, he's the one person that I was surprised. I didn't come across anything with anyone uh, any, anyone having problems. Why? Just because he's bl- because he's black? Yep. Yeah. Yep, and it was yep. usually bundled in with Zoe Kravitz being cast oh, as Catwoman, yep. but all she's right. not even she's not even the first. Enough person of color to be cast as as Catwoman. So they, it's like, come on. Eartha Kitt in the Adam West. Plus Halle Berry in that crappy yes. iteration. Uh, but, you know, I'm that's just saying. True. I mean, it's true. But in Harley mean, Quinn, she's black. Yeah, she, even in that. Yeah. So, like, this isn't the first time. Why mm-hmm. is it a problem? You know, I, when it comes to uh, kind of rebooting in a sense, you know, like gender swap or race swap, whatever of fictional characters. 
Laura, I completely agree that as long as like the core of the character is still intact, I don't care. It's not important yeah. to me it, uh, who plays them. I mean, if they want to come back and cast Poison Ivy and have it be a man or trans, I don't give a shit. Oh my but God, I would love that. Do, but just make poison, just make them more like Harley Quinn's Poison Ivy and less just and tone down all that sexiness that I know the three of us have talked about before yeah. with that regards being said, to the character. Though, the whole pheromone aspect being effective on men, like that's even present in Poison Ivy where it is toned, uh, like in Harley Quinn's animated series where it is toned down. But wouldn't that be just, oh, I think it would completely like destroy some of those toxic fans mm -hmm. if if Poison Ivy was, was trans or, or a a man and had that sure. effect on men still man sure. i would love that but you're right <laughs> other than the core traits of the character being intact yeah a good performance is all i require exactly. as long as you do a good job with that character you are yeah. fine in my book and if you bring uh, representation yep. to the table then you get pluses at some extra credit level shit. <laughs> but yeah. yeah it doesn't i don't I, it yeah i ditto <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to interrupt Laura's excitement there because she was really getting into that, but into that idea. But I, but I, I really do awesome. have to. I do have to agree. I mean, I you know what? It, it doesn't. I don't think it matters who the character is. Hell, it could be Harley fucking Quinn. You know, if they wanted to cast a male lead or a trans lead in that role, as long as they can do the character justice, I'm 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 game. I'm in. I am totally in. You know, um, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. we're talking about, again, inspiration from several different comic arcs with different artistic and writing directions. Yeah. And we're willing to suspend, um, you know, our preferences and all that with those. Why can't we do it with a goddamn movie? Fair enough. Like, yep, exactly. Yeah. So. All right, we'll go ahead and keep on going. I do want to, real quick, before I forget, drop a Jeffrey Wright fun fact. He does voice Batman in Batman the Audio Adventure. So uh, really? I, I left my phone Neat. upstairs, so I can't pull it up. I mean, I could on my, because I'm in front of a computer, but I don't want the little, like, duh, 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 tapping sounds. So uh, I'm assuming it's an audio book, but yeah, he's he's also Batman. Awesome. So this That's is awesome. good for him. Yeah. All right. Well, we will go ahead and let's do, you guys want to do Catwoman? Yeah. I yeah. mean, we just mentioned her, so it seems like a good time to do that. Yeah. So I really, really liked Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. Uh, I, I, I love this version of Catwoman. Uh, she's smart, confident, capable, not dependent on anybody else. She says a couple of times she can take care of herself, and she absolutely can, except for mm -hmm. the fact that she can't close her refrigerator door. That was the most that distracting thing, most upsetting thing, and it completely took me out of <laughs> the movie for a minute. I'm like, honey, just close. You're done. It's right there. Just slam it you, shut you just reached in there just just like when you reflexively close the door exactly I, I <laughs> that's my only complaint 
I, I I'm trying to remember this. What 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 scene was this in? They're in her when apartment. When Batman what? goes to the, her apartment after when he she says you have a lot of safe. the you have yeah. a lot of cats scene. Yep, which made oh, me laugh I, so much. I yeah. didn't even notice the refrigerator door. I don't, wasn't even paying attention to it. Oh my god, yeah, because that's yeah he says. But now I'm not going to not notice it. How did you not notice that? <laughs> I know it like, just wasn't what I was paying attention that's to. All, that's like the what only. What were you paying attention to? Zoe Kravitz. Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it's the only light source in that scene because everything else is very dark. Like the lights aren't on in her apartment, and the Dude, only light the source is from the fridge door. <laughs> huh. Oh, I think it's hilarious that you did. But I also laughed at the you have a lot of cats line. Yeah. There were a couple yeah. of lines other than the thumb drive that just cracked me up. Even in the beginning when he's like, I am vengeance, makes me giggle for some silly reason. <laughs> you know, you got to like, appreciate oh, you, that. You, you sweet summer child. You do have to appreciate that even in this kind of Batman movie that there's still room for those like Batman one-liners. You well, know yeah. what I'm saying? Because it's still like, a comic book, so you still need to have that comic yeah. book feel to it, you know, right. in, in all aspects, the writing, the visuals, the characters. Okay. It all has to be there. Like when Batman gets like falls, uh, when he kind of crash lands from his, I think when he's doing in his like little flying squirrel suit, and oh, he the just that's the worst or, thing I've ever seen in my he life. Eats like, it how does he eats so it hard, and he's fine. I love yep. it so much. Yep. <laughs> also, that was the part in the movie where I noticed bad editing because when he mm. stood up from that, his his like parachutey thing um, was completely gone. Oh, I, had, oh. I, didn't I didn't notice that. that. And I was like, where did it go? How did he get up? How long was he on the road? They just cut that <laughs> See, now I'm not going to notice that either. I'm going to try and notice Sorry, that now. But on the subject of Catwoman, I had to laugh. You know, she's obviously very clever and street smart, but she's talking to Batman on their little like tower rendezvous part point where, where him and Gordon go. And, you know, she is like, we need to take down some of these rich white assholes or whatever. And I'm just like, dude, you're talking to the biggest one. Yep. <laughs> and I liked how she immediately was like, just based on some of this, the way Bruce or Batman was talking, she's like, you grew up rich. And I was like, yeah, he did. She nailed it. Mm -hmm. So. And yet she still didn't figure out who he was. No. Like, or maybe even she when doesn't she's like, come on, to. come with me. We can take out these CEO types. I'm like, do you not know who you're talking to yet? Yeah. <laughs> Those are his business associates. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, I thought Zoe Kravitz did a bang-up job as, as Catwoman here. And I feel like, you know, we got a classic Catwoman with a very modern twist on her as well. Ooh, yeah. Um, you know, we got that that world's greatest thief, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. But we also saw, you know, like you said, you know, you know, she, she's smart, she's strong, you know, just all the traits that Catwoman carries. But we also see that in this, well, we've seen it in past versions as well, but we see it with her that she's also vulnerable, especially with her friend, um, who she's, mm -hmm. uh, which is like her primary focus in this movie is to find her friend Anna. I think we're trying, we're, we're, we're seeing a transition for uh, of Selena basically becoming more of this just like um i don't know kind of street kid in a way you know to realizing she's 
more than what she even thought she was, you know, and I hate to say that it took a man to bring that out because in my opinion, it really didn't happen that way. It just so happened that she was working with Bruce, but I think her experiences with Bruce or Batman, I guess that she doesn't know as Bruce, her experiences working with him make her realize that she's capable of doing so much more and that she can do this ass kicking crime fighting shit on her own. Catwoman is probably the most independent character in all of Batman history. Mm-hmm. And well, I, you got an opinion on that, it looks like? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, again, I'm reminded of Gotham here, like Selena Kyle's evolution throughout that series. Oh, uh, yeah, but she this... becomes less and less dependent on, on Bruce. But right. yes, this is, this is different to that. I just, it and feels I... like an influence. But I love how you went like ass kicking and crime fighting. She's, I don't see her as a crime fighter. I, I mean, she does that when it suits her, but that right. doesn't per, make her one. Crime fighter per se, I'll say. She's not a crime fighter. She's yeah. if she, she she just she's the type of character that just happened like like Jen just said. She finds herself in these situations though. So, yeah. she's not purposely going out there to start to stop crime. She commits crimes herself. But I know, and I love that about her. She'll mm-hmm. stop <laughs> other crimes so she could get away with her crimes. So yeah. that's the thing. Um, well, I think she has some moral lines, and you know, she she, she sticks does. them much to like historically speaking, much to Bruce's chagrin. Well, you know, like right, he sees that she's capable of being more like him, and she sees that he's capable of being more like her, and they're at this impasse. Sure. And I sure. think that was present in the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we also know that Catwoman's not above murder. We don't really ever see that much Catwoman killing in Batman lore. But if push comes to shove, Catwoman would kill a motherfucker if she had. To. I know. You know, I but she did care for it, and mm-hmm. she's not that. But she's not like every other villain out there who's just gonna pop a cap and you or stab you just because you bumped in them on the street, you know? No, she has a reason for what she does, except for the exactly. stealing. The stealing's just fun. Yeah. She does it because, I feel like she does the stealing for two reasons. One, she's bored, mm-hmm. which is one reason why I always thought she did it. it. It's bored, so it gives her excitement. And two, Catwoman will, well, she she likes the money she could get from it. If she, get, if she, if she even trades in her jewels for cash, which she doesn't do a lot. She just... She lo- she she likes the diamonds, you know. I mean, what what can I say? She's she Catwoman. Yeah, but I really did enjoy the fact that she was stealing from Penguin, and that's how she found out her friend was dead. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but she was still she still stole from him, so it's like eh, she right. still got her priorities. But, Absolutely. <laughs> like you could tell it hurt her, but she also you know picked up and carried on faster than anyone else is capable of in Gotham, I swear, because of how long <laughs> Bruce is stuck in his mindset. But, yeah. um, okay, so two things about Catwoman for me. Like, when she was leaving Gotham towards the end of the movie and she had her cat on the back of her motorcycle and that cat stayed, I'm just like, oh my god, best trained cat ever. I want a cat that rides on a motorcycle. Hell yeah. And I was totally off on that hand for like three minutes. That's funny. <laughs> um, but more seriously, you know, you mentioned that like you can tell that she she cares about people, especially like her friend. She referred to her friend as baby several times. Yeah, yeah. She ended up referring to Batman as baby a few times as well, uh, which would suggest that her and Batman were getting closer. But 
also caused your little uh, toxic fan base you referred to earlier to uh, identify her as bisexual and then get mad about it. I'm sorry, but anyone that ever assumed Catwoman was straight is just silly beans. Naive? Because I don't know. She's she's been like aside from Poison Ivy, she has always been one like the sexy villain, one mm -hmm. of one of the sexier Batman villains. Mm -hmm. And to just assume that she would use those wiles on only men or only feel attracted to just men is just naivety short-sightedness it's ridiculous yeah she's she's always right. the character itself has always kind of exuded that and you know what any cat is gonna rub up against your leg to get what it wants and then once it's done it may cats are picky right. little bitches yeah. and they'll just when they're when they're done having you pet them they'll swipe at you and run away and it doesn't matter but when they want the snuggle they don't care they'll snuggle whomever and that's, I feel like, right. is the same thing with Catwoman. It's just we've only ever seen it on screen uh, with with the man and mm -hmm. towards yeah. males. Right. Yeah. Except in uh, Harley Quinn. <laughs> you know, I liked that, that about her character. They were subtle about it, but, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's clear. And it, it should be. It's part of who she is. At least every time I've seen her, I've always felt that way about her like why yeah. is it such a new revelation i don't know but like i just i really loved again the, the mannerisms of her character like the exaggerated hip sway she had going mm -hmm. on and stuff like, yeah. I, I noticed when people are walking distinctively um yes that's what i and, was noticing too <laughs> <laughs> well who didn't notice that like eric's awfully <laughs> silent right? he's also awfully red right now <laughs> you know what if i could actually just intervene for a second um first off it, just to go back what you guys were saying because um, i real, i re actually didn't want to interrupt um <laughs> first as far as catwoman being bisexual 100 percent behind it because i've always believed it too because i don't like and of course me being a comic book fan collector and appreciator of you know this form of media I don't like when fans, not the creators, but the fans believe that a female character who is, you know, portrayed as somewhat seductive or very seductive is only for the purpose of the male viewer. I don't like that. Um, I've always believed that women are and probably just as intrigued, turned on, you know, attracted to these other female characters as much as your male viewer. Um, I totally am. I'm Absolutely. fine with Exactly. That. And Catwoman, you know, you got the trio, you got the Gotham City Sirens here. We're talking Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and Harley. You know, three <laughs> of probably the most seductive, you know, uh, female characters in the DC universe. One of them, we already know 100% it, well, two of them, I was going to say. 100%, they're in love with each other. Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn, you know. Mm -hmm. Catwoman. Yeah, uh, the, the you know, I think with Catwoman, it is a little more subtle because we're trying to, we're, we're, we've always grown on this idea that cat it's always been Catwoman and Batman, you know. Mm. I mean, hell, there was an entire fucking storyline that came out just a few years ago that led up to, their, to Selena and Bruce Wayne's wedding. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it didn't mm -hmm. end too well for Bruce, let me tell you. No. 
But us as fans were very disappointed with the ending, too. I will. Oh, my God. But whatever. It's neither here nor there. <laughs> she left him at the altar, dude. It's messed up. I'm so not but surprised. That's so Catwoman. It's so yeah, Catwoman. It's so but, Catwoman. Oh, man, you, when you're reading through this, it, like, almost 40 story arc you're just like really yeah, again i'm gonna like say that. i'm gonna say you sweet summer child if you did not see that happening you don't know Catwoman. oh that's true uh, yeah you're right but anyway it's like with zoe the heart Kravitz, wants what the heart wants though right eric she's a little, exactly she's a exactly you know she's a cat she's you not know, gonna show that that outward projection of feelings towards any character like you see with Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. She's a cat. And as yeah. long as you view that in that lens, everything that happened in that that story arc makes sense to me. Absolutely. Sure. Okay. Do I like I it? it? No, but also huh. I respect it because it's true yeah. to her character. Absolutely. Yeah. I get it. But at least she left him a note. So <laughs> better than a text, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But um, as far as Zoe Kravitz goes, you know, and, and it's funny, Laura, because you mentioned how she called Anna baby. And I didn't catch that the first time, but I did catch really? it when I watched it yesterday. Yeah, I didn't catch it. We pay attention to very different things. Well, at least I caught it yesterday. Because <laughs> I, I did. I caught it yesterday when, when she's going through the apartment trying to find her, you know, and I hear I heard her call her baby. And then uh, she called, like she said, she called uh, Batman baby later on. I do believe that there was a true relationship between her and Anna, even though we don't really know anything about this other character aside from the little bits that we got from the Falcone clip later on and just the things that we hear about her through Selena. Um, I have no doubt that she was in a relationship of some sort with this woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's just that, Fan, like I said earlier, fandoms are toxic. They're a terrible thing. And, you know, I wish that we could be fans without being so, you know, judgmental. Yeah, judgmental, you know, and that people could just fucking grow up, you know, and just, you know, realize one, it's 2022, it's not 1922, you know, and this shit, this, this, this isn't going away. No matter how much that side of fandom or those kind of people, how much they want it to go back to what it should be, you know? Gag me. Seriously. You know what? <laughs> Writers yep. and creators and artists these days are more open and more woke than ever before. And they I are, love it. And mm-hmm. they are not giving a shit about what any of those bigoted people want to see. They are putting – because you know what? Honestly, and even from DC and Marvel's perspectives as a company – just purely on numbers and shit like that, if it didn't sell, they wouldn't put it out. And let me tell you, it sells. Yep. It sells. And- okay? And it's good writing. It's good art. Great stories. Mm-hmm. We got our very first gay Captain America last year, and that was insanely awesome. And well, people you just know- need to shut the fuck up. Or you know what? They need to, give, they need to find something else. That's what I'll I- say. That's, it's just I such a small you. minority I, too, I think, and they're just, but they're and they're just so loud. That's what really, it always they're is. They're loud and, they, and they're and they persistent. Yes, and persistent. But on the subject of great writing, I think this is a perfect example because it acknowledged all of these things, but it did it in a way where it wasn't the focal point of mm-hmm. the movie. Like I, I, I got tired of the trope in other movies where, like, 
a person's sexuality or level of seductiveness or what have you, like that was the whole point of their character. In this case, no, it's just a facet of who they are and that's it. I I love that about them. And what what that allowed it to do was uh, explore other arguably more important facets of their characters in terms of the storyline, such as like, this iteration is, um, you know, Falcone's illegitimate daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked that. I, I liked thought it that was a too. good twist. Oh, like, you didn't like you know, that? It or... gave her a reason. It oh. gave her a reason to be, um, you know, the way she is. A, a, a little, a little angry with the world. Um, a little impulsive. You said we saw her as a master thief. I disagree. We saw her as a good thief who's going on to become that master. thief thief fair enough um, you know, she I think I said a, master thief just an, because that's yeah. just like the, the part of the character's right. history yep yeah but she you know she's finding her feet in the world too and now that she can put that particular problem of her past behind her you know it's almost like she's free to finally be Catwoman sure yeah. sure I absolutely yeah. you know what and it's not even to be Catwoman it's more to be Selena mm-hmm. in my well, opinion yeah. you know and Selena Kyle is just and I, I don't know. I think I, I mean, I've already, I, re, I repeat myself sometimes when I talk about these characters, but I think it's just because it's really how I feel is just that with Selena Kyle, she is one of the, she's, she's independent. She's strong. She doesn't need Batman, but at the same time, she sometimes needs Batman, but not in the way that people think that she needs Batman. See, I think you she, know? I think she just likes having him around and, yeah. and, and keeping in the, that she's, you know, a cat embodiment of a cat and cat like tendencies. He's just one of her play. Like he's her favorite plaything. Yeah. She oh, loves sure. batting yeah. him around. That's the bell. Ha! That's the yes. bell. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, one, one of the things that I really liked uh, about this version is when the two first see each other, when Selena first sees Batman uh, and when Batman's talking to Penguin mm-hmm. and she walks in and I love that they're just like immediately like smitten with each other. They just, mm-hmm. they lock eyes. They kind of have mm-hmm. a, a small moment. And that felt very reminiscent of Adam West and his version of Batman around Catwoman and how he would sometimes kind of get, cause I think in the movie he gets very like, not necessarily flustered, but he doesn't have a lot to say about the person or or anything You're like about that. Talk about in the in the original Batman yes, movie. Yes, yes, in the original well, oh, Batman. When he found out Miss Kitka was bat was yep. uh, Catwoman, yeah, yeah. But the way his but the way he just kind of reacts to all of that, he is, for lack of a better word, smitten. And I felt like that was conveyed in their first kind of meeting where they first see each other selena maybe not so much smitten but she definitely wasn't afraid of batman she's curious she was very curious curious. and very intrigued and yeah cats are curious so but also she she liked having like i said i think she just likes having him around it wasn't so much I, i guess it can be viewed that this man helped helped her to realize her potential and elevate her skills but But that doesn't make her dependent on but i don't i don't necessarily see it that way that's just how things happen because she wasn't helping him bring down you know find the rat and and solve all these riddles and bring down 
Riddler, she was just interested in finding Annika and then getting, you know, vengeance for that. And they just yeah. happened to be, just like their motorcycle ride at the end, they just happened to be going along the same path, but at the end, they diverted directions. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, and, you know, on that first meeting scene, you're right, there's that moment where he was like, ooh, you know, but then he noticed that she was way more interested in that picture mm-hmm. than she should have been and like just his personal feelings didn't stop him from being batman and yeah. i thought that was really accurate to the whole bruce wayne batman mm-hmm. persona like yeah. batman always comes first mm-hmm. you know and i think uh that end scene where they you know where they go their own ways you know on their motorcycles you know it's it was a very it was actually quite a powerful way to end the movie I liked it. I thought it was shot beautifully. It really was because one, it, it, there was a, just when you're, when you're seeing her going up the hill and then disappearing from his mirror, mm-hmm. you know, there was a real sense of emotion there. It was beautifully shot. And you know, from an ending like that, she's coming back. She, mm-hmm. There's no way that, you know, she, she'll, she will return. Yeah. But it's that, mm-hmm. it's that sense, you know, that he probably had in that moment, you know, where, you know, he's like, she, she's going to go do her own thing. You know, we're, 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 you know, we're, we're, you know, they're parting ways, but what's great about those kind of moments in movies, it's just in film in general is the reuniting, you know, and how these two characters are going to be reunited in the sequels. I don't know, but I really am looking forward to seeing it because I think Zoe Kravitz, she's done a bang up job proving that she can now pull off being this iconic character. But what I think is more challenging for actors is how do you follow it up? Mm-hmm. You know, but that's not, and you know, that's based on their performance, but also on the writing. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. Depends what that, what the storyline they decide to, and, it, to and, if Matt and, Re- and where they've, where these characters have grown since the first to the next installment as well. Right. right. And, if, and if Matt Reeves comes back with the same team, to do the do the next movies that they did that he worked with on this movie i i th- honestly think that we are going to have true not just cl- classic superhero movies but actually tr- a beginning of what could be new classic films for a new generation because this movie is just so beautifully shot and well done amazing script maybe just do a little tweaking on your editing um <laughs> but and that was the only the only <laughs> scene where it it got me so i think they did a really good job overall one other thing i wanted to mention about uh uh, about catwoman and i wrote and i wrote this down her fucking nails dude oh my god her nails when she was fucking digging into falcone's face did Mm -hmm. you notice the length of Mm -hmm. those things oh my goodness oh my (laughs) of course you did laura you (laughs) laura's like i noticed that little bit of dirt under her left pinky no (laughs) (laughs) but holy shit when i said like the first time i saw those i cringed the second time i saw them i cringed harder i was like good god i don't want to get scratched by those being someone who has scratched someone on purpose with really long nails but like because he pissed me off, my poor twin brother. I was only five at the time, so I had no restraint. Um, I have done that kind of damage to someone. I know exactly what she did to his face, and I was like, oh, yeah, oh. Uh, <laughs> and yet you somehow, you kind of loved it. Yeah. So let's, 
let's go to like the little twist that they that they added uh, in this version. Eric, you didn't care for that uh, Selena is the uh, illegitimate daughter of Carmine Falcone, played by the wonderful, brilliant, gotta fucking love everything he does, John Turturro. I love yeah. that man. Um, what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> why why she asks um 50 words or less <laughs> and okay go no <laughs> honestly and it's just i don't have the best reason to give other than i just thought it was kind of a cop-out move i just really felt it felt to me it felt like a cop-out to fill the hole in selena's story i kind of get why they did it sure and we don't really have a whole lot of backstory out there on Selena's parents. That, that, that This is true. But I feel like taking one of the biggest names in Gotham's gangster fucking world and it just, it, it just in the Batman series in general and just taking two of those people and just saying, oh, the, you know, they're, they're related. I just – I didn't like it. I felt like it was very sudden – to bring that up or bring that in now at the beginning, I was thinking maybe she was like an old lover of his before they get, before they, before she made that, that reveal. Pissed me off. Yeah. It really, it really wouldn't have worked that well. I felt like as far as how the story turned out, I agree with you, but that's what I was thinking at first. And then I don't know the twist. It was just something I didn't care for. It's not that I wouldn't, I won't eventually come around to it because now that's just that, that's canon to this story. But I don't know. I thought maybe the second time around I was going to appreciate it a little more because sometimes I do that, but I just didn't. No. So I don't have any more reason to give than other than I just didn't. I just felt like it was a cop out move on the uh, on the writer's part. That is all. I liked it for the opposite reason. I didn't think it was a cop out move at all. First of all, okay. you're right. It suited the story very well. Mm -hmm. But again, in the Riddler's victims when he leads the Batman to the orphanage, what, one of the things written on the wall is sins of the father, right? Yeah. That's her version, the sins of the father right there. Yeah. So it's a, par it's a parallel in the story. It's like it's a theme. Yes. Mm, I, I mean, this movie had a ton of themes like that. I and mean, there was one theme that absolutely baffled me and I still don't get. Ooh. Why do so many different people in this movie Say to Bruce, I've been trying to reach you. <laughs> Why? Is this a comic thing? Because I tried searching for I, it and I came up empty. I think it just goes to show about where Bruce, like we talked about earlier with Bruce and where he is at in this time period. He doesn't want to do the Bruce thing. He's not even acknowledging the phone calls for that side of his life. So right. that that was my that was just kind of my my takeaway from from that. As for the Selena is uh, that Carmine Falcone is the father. <laughs> Sorry, so I'm more <laughs> oh the father. <laughs> I I personally liked it. I it was kind of a gasp out loud moment for me the very first time I was watching it, and yeah. I I did the oh I think I like that, and then just yeah. kind of and, and you're right. I guess I can see where you're coming from, Eric. Where it's a means. It's a, a means in the end to fill the plot hole and to continue that story and to give her ties uh, a more, a closer and more kind of tormented tie to Falcone. Sure. Mm -hmm. 
they absolutely were trying to paint it where she was perhaps a lover or a victim of his of, of at some point. Yeah. You know, I mean, even even Batman makes that assumption. You know, yeah, he's like, what what favors did you have to do? Yeah. And, you know, and so I am glad that they didn't go that gross, icky route. That would have felt, I am too. I am felt too. very tropey and just like that would have felt like a cop out. Like, oh, my God, we're doing this. She's getting, you know, revenge for whatever assault or bad thing he physically, personally did to her. But it yeah. was getting revenge for her mother and avenging her her mom and what he had done to her in that sense so right can i just add something here too yes she obviously knew already that he was her father and he knew it too she could have chosen to be a falcone and she didn't she's still very much selena kyle by choice that's why it didn't bother me oh sure sure no and i agree with you there and i think that's i think that's a that's a very respectable thing to say, but yeah. you know, again, just because we don't like something the way something's written doesn't mean that it has to be taken. It doesn't mean that I that 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 I hate the movie or right. you know I hate what they've done with the characters or anything like that. Because, like I said, she was a fantastic Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Everything about this movie, maybe except for that one thing. I just didn't like, and just because I didn't like it doesn't mean that it ruined the movie for me or right. anything like that, or ruined the story or ruined the characters. Because Jen, you are absolutely right. John Totoro fucking killed it. He killed it. This is a man who is typically a comedian in most, or you know, play. He plays. He's a comic actor for a lot of movies that he's done. But it, seeing him in this kind of serious role was pretty different from what I've seen him in before, and I loved it. The only other real kind of serious role I could think of that he was in but it was also pretty comedic as when he played the jesus in uh the big lebowski <laughs> nobody fucks with the jesus <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> um, Woo! But, Sorry. um oh no but he was so good he, mm-hmm. he really did he really did such a bang up job in this movie and uh i honestly don't felt i didn't feel like we got a lot of time with him i i, no, I we, but we got, i think we got we got enough screen time with him to get a to get a feel for his character, mm-hmm. but I wish we would have gotten more. I really do. I disagree. I think we got just the right amount. Yes, I agree because because of this kind of lore or whatever you want the the mystery maybe behind the Falcone family and that kind of mobster uh, status. I like that we don't get a lot. We only get little bits. Cause I think that kind of helps maintain some of that mystery, that, uh, scariness, that kind of baddiness to them. So and, that, that's well, me what, personally. I, I like, with the, I agree. I think with I agree with Laura. Out. We got just enough. And you know what? I see exactly where you two are going with that. And even if we don't get a lot of on-screen time with John Totoro, we get a lot of off-screen time with the Falcone name mm-hmm. uh, or on-screen time with the Falcone name, but off-screen with John Totoro. Cause we learn a lot through Gotham's history and the things that have been happening in the city, especially with the Moroni bust, mm-hmm. with the Moroni drug bust and how the Falcones were actually tied into that. And just cause, yeah, you're right. Just cause John Totoro doesn't, isn't on the screen as much as everybody else doesn't mean that his impact on the story isn't as strong as anyone else's. Um, so, okay. I, I got to agree with you. I, 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 maybe you're right. We did get enough screen time with him to, because that was made up for by just how much history they threw out in this movie 
involving him and his and his family, basically. So I loved how his soft spokenness was so intimidating. Oh man, John Turturro's voice is just like ASMR heaven right there. You can fall asleep listening to that. I loved his consistency and his murder method of choice. Like, and this was another thing where, where, you know, I would say Selena is still developing, um, you know, breaking out of that naivety. Like, Mm -hmm. she knows that her mom was strangled. She knows that Falcone strangled her friend. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and he tried strangling her uh, yeah. yeah and she's you know it took him actually saying just like your mother for her to realize the implication and I'm like okay you're not quite there yet I gotta <laughs> remember that you young I, I just you know but for a Falcone me being me he had one line in the movie that just was like I was so happy he got shot right after he said it Oh, oh yes, I know which line you're talking which about. Which line was that? You've always been a gimp in an empty suit. Oh, when he was talking to Oz. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I yeah, look that like, guy. Damn, somebody used the word gimp appropriately in a movie and it has nothing to do with sexual things. <laughs> uh. I was like, but yeah, you deserve to get shot for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I always have kind of, I, I guess, a kind of issues or struggle when writers choose to use when that when it's a bad person or it's a a time period where certain words and languages were accepted to still choose to use that to portray the evilness or the baddiness in this character or to portray that this time period was still pretty dark and fucked up it's like i think you can still convey those feelings and that atmosphere and that character trait without going specifically these routes now i had a really good conversation about that in one mm -hmm. of our mrs mazel uh recordings actually yeah and and it does depend on what the story is the genre if it is if it's if it's something lighter then why you know if it's something that's more supposed to depict uh, history a bit more accurately, then okay, fine, I can understand that. I'll give that one a bit of a pass. Mm -hmm. But here, it's like, I took it as like, this is is their way of showing us that Falcone is a gigantic piece of shit. But did he really Mm -hmm. have to choose to call uh, Penguin a, a disabled slur? You know, no, there's there didn't. was other ways he could have done it, and it and it didn't have to involve uh, body shaming either. He could have yeah, and gone any know, route. You're right. You're right. And maybe maybe it's not just the the relative personalness of that line that struck me. I think I've mentioned several times in this recording right now. This movie has been really good with character subtleties. This was the opposite of that. It's like the one time, the one time in the entire movie where they just punch you in the face. Yep. Now, do you think that could have, and in terms of the character of uh, Carmine, do you think it's that that was his way of acting out? Like you kind of get the sense that Carmine's maybe a bit above going low like that, but now he's caught. He's like he's like a wild animal stuck in the corner, trapped in a corner, kind of lashing out. Do you think that... It, it still shows that he's he's human. He's not 
this completely unshakable mobster leader type and that he's still I think susceptible it shows... to humanity and those kind of weaker moments that we have. I think it shows who he is behind the sunglasses, you know, um, just... that he's still a giant piece of shit. <laughs> well, the, it, that's the thing. I mean, in the end, Carmine Falcone, we have to remember, no matter how cool, calm and collective he might seem, he is a bad guy. Like, this is a literal bad person right here. He does bad things for bad people. And he does bad, bad things to good people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's not above doing whatever it takes to get what he wants. So we have to keep in mind that people like this, when especially when they have as much power as Carmine Falcone, they can put on this persona in front of everybody to be cool, calm, and collective. And that's just as menacing as him being just fucking bonkers, you know, just wanting to fucking, instead of threatening you, you know, with saying, I'm going to kill you if you don't do this, he'll just be like, you're going to do this favor for me. You know, yeah, and he doesn't need to go any further than that because you know what's going to happen if you don't do the favor for him, you know. Well, hmm. But what I'm going with this is once he was caught, all of that went out the window. You know, that cool guy, that that cool mob boss that's always had that, that that's kind of always had his shit together is now unraveling. Yeah, he's now now he's caught. He's arrested, and the, he's got not just Batman and Gordon, but now he's got the Gotham Police Force ready. They're ready to take him down, and he I doesn't know what to do. He was also just communicating what he really thought about his supposed right hand man. Kind of where I yeah. was going with this. Yeah. I mean, so how can Penguin ever break out on his own and be the Penguin if he's still beholden to? Falcone. You're absolutely right about that. So that ends that that la those last couple moments that we had with Falcone there, we had a completely different character than what we had in the rest of the movie. We had someone who was frantic. We had someone who I didn't see was... that actually, you because that? Oh, no, okay. because his his tone of voice with that delivery was just as cool and collected. And, oh, I didn't get you know, that. Preceding, preceding that, he was quite confident that he would be seeing everyone soon anyway because he was getting out. Yeah, but he was like, being. I felt like he, he. I felt like he in that scene, that whole arrest scene, right before he got shot and before he made those comments to Oz. I felt like he was kind of being a little more cocky, you know, with the whole "Oh, I'll see you all when I get out." You know, it's just it, it just no, seemed. Well, yeah, 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 but that's because. Like, again, I think it was more a commentary on just how widespread and how deep that corruption goes. Like, if there was anyone at any point in Gotham's history that was truly untouchable, it's him for what he did. I like, suppose. that was what the whole movie was trying to communicate. And he still believed that until he was shot. And right. like, so in, in his mind, I'm, you know, I'm putting this out as an alternative theory, but in his mind, did he really need the penguin when he had so many others? Well, the thing is about uh, about the penguin is the penguin is smart. The penguin, the, yes. you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, yes. uh, Oswald Cobblepot is an extremely intelligent person in this world. It just even, you know, he's yes, and he's very manipulative too. So you got to think. I don't. I got to I mean, play I, devil's advocate here. 
Now, I'm sorry. What, I, what I'm hoping for is with the Penguin television show that's going to be coming out in like two years. I'm really hoping that we actually get a little more background into his history with Carmine Falcone. And I hope they bring yeah, John Turturro back for that, because what I would like to know is how did these two come together and how did he become his right hand man? Why didn't the Penguin Bill, just try to overthrow him? I um, have to be I have to play devil's advocate here. Sure. The Penguin's intelligent and manipulative. So is Falcone. The difference between the two of them is Penguin's a cripple. Growing up in that that community, that life, I can tell you for certain, you could be the smartest person in the room and nobody believes it. All everybody's going to see as a cripple. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's a fair point you make. And that's and, and you know what? In the end, it's really one of the re- well, actually, I've never really thought about it. So you just said this, but perhaps that is one of the reasons why, you know, Oz becomes one of the biggest forces that Cotham's ever dealt with once, you know, what, what, because once the penguin starts taking over, you know, in, even in any Batman story where you look at where penguin is the main, is the main uh, antagonist for those stories, he is a force to be reckoned with. And in this movie, he's not so much a force. He's more, uh, you know, he's the right hand man. You know, he just got promoted from Goon not that long ago. Uh, <laughs> goon to sidekick, right? That's right. But there's a lot there that that man is capable of doing that we see play out throughout all of Batman's history. And the whole cripple aspect of it, I, I guess I've never really thought about it that way. Personally, I just... I get. I totally get what you're saying. I respect what you're saying, and I think you're proving very. It's a very good point. I've just never personally thought of it that like that, um, because I've always just saw Penguin as just someone who knows how to rally people to his cause. You know. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's the thing. Penguin is the personification of the torment that people in that community face. For sure. yes. He has a million reasons to be upset with the world. And he has a million reasons to want to prove himself capable above and beyond the people that he recognizes as role models, as peers, whatever. Mm. And he has to. He has to to become Falcone's right-hand man. But he also has to to truly become Penguin. That's true. That's a good point. That's why he's one of my favorite villains. And again, I'm seeing a parallel with Gotham here. I mean, you know, smart, emotionally unstable, yes. and crippled with, with a big chip on his shoulder and a need yep. to prove himself. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what Penguin so, wants. I mean, you got to talk. And, and that is the best example I think you could give as far as a live action version of Penguin goes is from the television show because he started off just as a literal nobody in this business. A to henchman. The hu- hu- I, a he henchman. started off as a henchman. Yeah, I mean, he, and then he even, went to goon, and then he went to sidekick, <laughs> aka goon I mean, there was name, literally and then he a, took down his boss. There was literally and... a point where he was just washing dishes in that show, and then mm-hmm. next thing you know, he is a he he has come to the top of the fucking pyramid, you know, and that's that's the penguin that I have always known and loved, you know. Hell, even in Batman Returns, you know, he may not have been like a big. You know, you know, mob boss in then that movie. You know, it was more about him being this becoming some political figure. But whatever, in the end, we saw 
the people come to Penguin. You know, granted, he had some help from Christopher Walken to, you know, to build his campaign, but still, people will. Flock. I can't believe I thought this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> people, goddamn, I tried to think of another word. People, <laughs> you paused long enough for me to say it. <laughs> people flocked to the penguin. <laughs> oh, I wish I would have thought it was coming about, about differently. <laughs> about so this about so penguin, and and even about Gotham's penguin that I didn't love about Batman Returns Penguin. They're disabled, and you know maybe even a little disfigured without being completely grotesque and over-exaggerated like mm-hmm. what we've seen in other pop culture classics like Bond villains. I liked that it was true to Penguin without making them into physical monsters. Mm-hmm. I mean, the worst, I mean, I, w- I would say the only thing physical trait about his looks that would have been a little uh, unappealing is just that he had a bunch of, he had scars on his face and you could tell those are battle scars that he had. You know, this penguin has seen some shit, and he's probably exactly. been in quite a few battles and mm-hmm. fights in his life. Triple fight! Triple fight! <laughs> <laughs> I love a, that you threw South Park in there just randomly. <laughs> and just a quick uh, disclaimer slash apology for anyone that might be offended by the by the use and the, the word cripple. Laura, our friend here today, she doesn't have a problem with it, and so I'm we're following her lead, so it's her fault. But, but also sorry if, yeah. if you're upset by it. you know it's no. it's our word I'm taking it back. Yeah. But I liked I like this uh I like this penguin you guys I completely agree. I don't have that much more to add to what you guys have said with Colin Farrell's penguin. Um Colin Farrell's completely unrecognizable and I, I know. love that. It makes I think it makes the character itself that much creepier because I cannot identify the actor portraying him. Um, I really but, tried, and I can't see I can't it. I can't see, see, it. see him. I can't see but, it either. Yeah. But and I think he does a great job. I also absolutely love that when we do get the uh, Batmobile. I love the Batmobile's entrance, by the way. I thought that was really cool and a lot of fun. Yeah, that and then was pretty sweet. Followed by yeah. an immediate car chase where that car uh, chase scene was magnificent. It was, and you gotta wonder how many people died because those were some big ass explosions, Batman. But the one thing about uh, this penguin that I think is a little different from Batman Returns and other iterations and even Gotham is that this one doesn't seem as emotionally unstable as Gotham's penguin, the the younger, which totally makes sense. And even Danny Mm -hmm. DeVito's uh, penguin, because he is very unhinged yeah. he's very mm-hmm. like emotionally ruled and like he agrees to catwoman because he's thinking with his penguin dick and and granted she leans into that and you know go michelle pfeiffer that white gold fuck yeah but all mm-hmm. uh, right <laughs> yeah. uh so i like you know laura when you brought up gotham's penguin and again that kind of evolution into this version i can see it I think it makes sense. You know, there is a whole bunch, a whole time period that we we, we didn't see of Oz and how he mm-hmm. got maybe some of these scars and how he maybe has been able to kind of rein in some of his emotional instability yeah, a bit. Because you can still see that his temper is there. Like, yes, you can you see can. it on his face. Yep. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But and he's I like trying. that. I like yeah. that a lot. Uh, but I liked. Colin Farrell's physical portrayal as much as like his personality portrayal. Like 
from everything about it, like the, the accent of his speech was awesome, mm -hmm. but also, you know, that scene right after the car chase where Gordon and Batman are tag team <laughs> interrogating him, which was hilarious. Mm -hmm. And he pokes fun at while he's bound. Yeah. Um, but then he, like, you know, he's shuffling in those, in, in, yes. you know, in the bindings. And between that and his disability, he really does look like a penguin. For he a does. And I'm just like, ha, ah, that's really funny. And I, I love that. You think I wouldn't laugh at that, but I do. Um, but then I like that Batman isn't ableist. Yeah. Between mm -hmm. the binding of him, that shows that he respects his physical capabilities enough that he deems that necessary. And in the first meeting in the club, when he gets mad at him and he pushes him hard enough up against the glass to break it, I'm like, yeah, he doesn't care that he's a cripple at all. This is great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Like, he's fuck an, you. He's an equal opportunity vigilante. That's so. right. Yeah, no and kidding. You, he's like, I respect you for you know who you are and what you've done, not like what what may or may not be wrong with you. Right. Yeah, and you know, there's two things I want to add to this, um, and I I think they're both a little funny. Um, so first, one of the one of the funniest things I've seen ever cut that I've seen come out of this movie. Um, is the uh, famous meme of how much money this, uh, how much, how much they could have saved in this movie, money-wise, had they just hired Richard Kind instead of Colin Farrell, because they made <laughs> the Penguin look just like Richard Kind. Oh like they did, they're, but like a grittier version. Yeah. A grittier version of Richard Kind. It's like, how much money do you think they could have saved? Uh, <laughs> you know. Now, who, now Richard Kind's a great actor, but who knows if he could have pulled that off the way Colin Farrell nah. did? But, It'd be too that voice. Yeah. It'd be Hard. Which Not actually brings voice. me to my next thing is it's funny because uh, you can ask uh, well the only other person I think you guys know who uh, that I would talk, who would know this that I know is Adam and but he could definitely verify this. I normally can't stand Colin Farrell. I am not a fan of almost anything he has ever done, and I have watched quite a few Colin Farrell movies. And there why, are, if you don't like him, <laughs> I personally, uh, he just so happens to be in the movies that I'm watching, I guess. I don't watch right, him right. for him, but I've just never like been a fan coming. of him as an actor, he's not my favorite, and I feel like he's ruined a lot of movies for me. Tagging Colin Farrell in this. <laughs> promo tweet <laughs> do it oh, oh boy well you know what that's fine that's your cold open i feel like he's ruined a lot of movies for me <laughs> don't make that your cold open it could just do be it. that line but we don't have to mention who and make the listeners listen anyways oh, go ahead but um this <laughs> really took me by surprise because when i first heard that he was the penguin even in all that makeup i was like this no I was like, what? No. I was like, I was more like, what? I was like, how are you going to cast Colin Farrell? And how are you going to make Colin Farrell the penguin nonetheless? Well, I got to say, this, I, I have to give him two thumbs up. He, he really did do a good job here. He, the way he, you know, he spoke in that, in that gritty, tough guy accent while at the same time portraying a, you know, a, you know, a right-hand man who wanted more, you know, it's just, you saw in his mannerisms that, and just the way he was just expelling himself, that he was a character who felt like he was 
stuck in a spot where he didn't want to be, you know? But what yeah, was but he, he going to do? Yeah, he also recognized the relative safety and comfort of his position. Um, like, he wasn't course. an idiot about it. No, he wasn't an idiot at all. But the Penguin is not the type of character who just is just going to sit back and not want to be in control. He knew that he couldn't be in control right mm -hmm. now, but you could tell with the way that he portrayed this character that he wanted more. It's like, and he, how it, it's and like once, he had things working. He had mm -hmm. he was kind of playing and, chess, setting the and pieces. And then that nice. last cut, that last shot that we have of Colin Farrell in that movie, looking out the window at a flooded Gotham. Sorry, I almost dropped the bag of cashews on the floor. Not <gasps> <laughs> the cashews. That would have been bad. Um, when, he's looking out, when he's looking <laughs> out the window, and, you know, he's just looking like, what am I, what's going to happen next? He has that, what am I going to do now? But it's a look that makes me think that now the penguin is going to start, is going to come into a much stronger role in the future of these Batman films. So I agree. Like, and I am here for it. Hell yeah. Like Selena, I am just as excited to see what happens with penguin, but what I'm a little worried about is they're going to focus more on that on the HBO series and they're going to then portray that in the movie. Sure. So, Hard to say. We'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens. It could be Penguin's origin story in preparation for the sequel. We that's the thing. Yep. We, we don't know what this show is about. We yep. have no idea. Either way, for the first time ever, I'm, I'm excited about the Penguin. And yeah, I'm you not should like, be. I'm a not great like, penguin. I'm not like, oh, yeah, him too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel like he's treated in the Harley Quinn show, especially since he's voiced by the guy who plays Norman Seinfeld. I'm just like, ugh, okay, fine, ugh. <laughs> like, my favorite part of that series is when he gets killed. <laughs> Norman Seinfeld? Or Cheers? Yeah. Cheers? Cheers? No, 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 it's Seinfeld. He's Jerry's nemesis. Newman. Newman. Newman, sorry. Newman. Oh, Newman. I was going to say, I just watched Seinfeld like three months ago. I don't remember it anymore. I, I'm going to say it again. I'm horrible with names. But uh, don't worry. So you, yeah, that's who I mean. I can't stand that guy anyway. So it just, you know, like it, my favorite it, thing as far as Penguin was concerned was when he got murdered. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, that's, do, oh, do you have more, Laura? Uh, no, I'm just, you know, reiterating the fact that I'm really excited to see what happens with Penguin. I think sure. even more so than Catwoman. Sure. I think so. I would agree with that because we we always get a we've we've gotten so much of Catwoman throughout the years that it would be nice to see something more uh Penguin focused and kind of get more of him, especially this version. Yeah. You know, I yeah. like I like I mean I liked I love Danny DeVito as Penguin, but you're right, he has more of a monstrous penguin kind of look yeah, to him. Yeah, he was more, more supposed to come up as like a like, like kind of like a and the whole circus theme with it too kind of put mm -hmm. him off like a freak show sort of. Yeah, you know? I found that yeah. like I watched that movie when I was a kid and I was I was I don't know if I could adequately like, you know understand my emotional response to him in that movie, but I was really upset and I couldn't explain why. Like, it wasn't like he scared me or like I was crying or anything. I was just really angry hmm. when I watched that movie. As a, a, you're, you're talking about when you were a kid? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, like for I, don't, me, I don't think I had time to consider like what it was that was bothering yeah. me about it. 
but See, you for already me, I think, sensed it. You are at, even yeah. at that young age, yeah. Like, for me, I think Batman Returns is always going to have a special place in my heart for nostalgic purposes. Absolutely. You know? It's a good movie, but Penguin pisses me off in that movie. I can't watch it. I'll, I'll still watch the movie, but I, I, I feel like I do have kind of a, it, it has a different feel going into it now as an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as even going into it as a kid or a teenager, you know, but I'm not going to say that despite what Tim Burton may have done in, in a pro, you know, inappropriately in that movie um, by his portrayal of the penguin. Um, Cause I look at it now, it is a little inappropriate and kind of very actually almost kind of like a stereotype too, in certain it's aspects. Yeah, it's just, I just feel like, it's one of those movies that I don't feel like personally I could ever like turn my back on because it had such an impact on my love for Batman over the years. And see, and I have like, I love Danny DeVito. I love Batman. You know, I'm even a fan of Tim Burton movies to an extent, but I cannot watch that movie again. But that's the exception. There's always exceptions to any and all rules. So I think that makes sense. And you know, I, I hear, I, you know, totally get what you're saying, Laura, and I respect that. I'm I am in the same boat as Eric in terms of loving it for nostalgia reasons. But yeah, and you're I respect right. that too. Yeah, but you're right. That portrayal has not aged well in twenty twenty two eyes. So but I will still say sense. this. Danny DeVito, this will be the last thing I say about that movie because I know we're not talking about Batman Returns, but <laughs> since we're on the topic of Penguin still. Danny DeVito, even given what he was given still pulled off an amazing penguin for what he was given. He worked that role. And Danny DeVito has even said he's one of his favorite roles that he's ever played. His so, performance was great. Yeah. But, the depiction but, of what the character. Yes, exactly. Is, is all kinds of wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Right. But that's all I'm saying about Batman Returns. <laughs> Yeah. I think we talked uh, more about Batman Returns just now than we did when we covered all the Batmans. <laughs> probably, well, I, I gloss funny. over it for a reason. So, you know, sure. now you yeah. know why. Yeah, but, but, now we had the, that, but now we finally had like a real live action, another live action penguin to compare it to. Yep. So that, I, yeah. So yeah. It, it, it opens Which, up the conversation more. I really appreciated this because, you know, it was true to everything, you know, about Penguin. But in a way that again made him more relatable which i think is important when you're portraying disabled people um and you know it also made him much more exciting as the the next emerging super villain Mm -hmm. sure oh yeah Um, absolutely absolutely but i'm not gonna say i've i've talked a lot about you know, loving almost every aspect of this movie, which by the way, you mentioned, you know, the way it was shot and everything, I agree with you, was beautiful, but let's not undermine the strategic placement of music in the movie as well. The book ending uh, with Nirvana was genius, mm -hmm, Um, but all these things that have done well, I'm not saying that this is a perfect movie. Uh, Again, there was that one editing mishap, Um, but I've, I've heard some criticism from some friends who watched this movie, and I really want to run it past you two because I can't believe that we watched the same movie. And maybe maybe their perspective is valid. But, okay, what have you got? So their complaints were numerous. Uh, <laughs> the movie was too dark. The movie was too slow. Um, 
Bruce Wayne wasn't good enough. I'm already Especially offended. Bat- <laughs> Batman, Batman 2 wasn't good enough because he wasn't figuring things out well enough in advance or fast enough. He was Pretty sure I've read on, some of their posts on, on Facebook. Other people <laughs> dropping hints like the carpet tool in order to figure something out. And then it was too late. And, oh. you know, like, what kind of greatest detective is that? And I'm like, Detectives don't figure things out before they happen unless there's already a ton of clues to go by. They're figuring yeah. things out as they happen or afterwards. Right. Okay, first of all, they need to go watch any fucking episode of the first 48 because those detectives do not always get enough evidence in the first 48 hours of a murder happening to be able to make any kind of arrest. And uh-huh. when they right. do, it's sometimes months later or even years later. So, right. again, this then- mo- Go ahead. On the subject of that, the detective side of things, I ask them, okay, then fine. What what persona of what portrayal of Batman, you know, comics, animated series, movies, whatever, is your Batman? What's the ideal Batman to you? And don't they say said, it. They don't said it. Batman the animated series. Oh, okay. Then that makes All no right. sense. That's weird. In terms of the detective skills, in terms of the fighting, because they criticized the fighting too, where like he got hit a a ton. I'm like, have you not watched the cartoon? Because because he gets hit a ton in that too. Uh She's like, they're they're like, I hate his walk. Why is he walking so slowly everywhere? Why isn't he running all the time? And I'm like, this isn't a video game. People don't yeah. run everywhere that they go. Right. Also, why that's a thick why ass would suit. he be running when he's about to expend all of his energy fighting or climbing or whatever? Yeah. So were they expecting Um, like a Marvel version of Batman? Okay, so here's what I have to say. So first of all, um, they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being as respectful as I can as a as a you know fellow fan and everything, but I do not agree with their takes. Yes, the movie is three hours long, but honestly, I feel like I, I feel like it's a solid three hours. Everything is relevant. Um, I think that it brings in that noir feeling and and some of those kind of more b-roll type shots going from uh main action sequence or conversation to the next main action sequence conversation it shows Mm -hmm. us what gotham it shows us gotham and gotham is just as important to the batman story as any other fucking character including batman i mean it's fucking Gotham. Where's he going to Batman at? Can't Metropolis is taken. New York is taken by a ton of fucking heroes. Yeah. Um, New York's got a monopoly. It's not fair. Yeah. So I, I disagree. I feel like this movie is probably the closest to a live action Batman, the animated series as we're going to get even down to, even down to Gordon. Early in his career, Gordon is just as instrumental uh, in, and Batman's Batmaning as he is in this movie. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think it's important that people remember that this is early in his career and that we aren't seeing an established Batman, an established Bruce. Yeah. And yeah. that that's what, this is kind of that in between of the Gotham TV series and even like Michael Kane or Michael Keaton's batman Uh this is that's where this is and if people don't like that then that's fine if they prefer a more established batman in bruce great go watch those movies uh and enjoy them but keep in mind that that's 
timeline wise, that's where we are at with this version. And I think it's really easy for people to kind of confuse the two and think that they don't like this because all we've ever been given has been established a Batman. Right. I mean, even from right. the days of Adam West, I mean, he's already Batman. We don't even get much about Martha. You know, they don't delve too deeply into Martha and Thomas and even the backstory mm -hmm. of how Adam West's Bruce became Batman. Right now, we're they're going through media wise, movie wise, TV show wise, and they're filling in those blanks. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's great. And there's going to end if they don't like it. Fine. Don't watch them. But they're wrong. Yeah, I, I guess if, if this serves anything, it'll, you know, give your listeners the the acknowledgement of these criticisms because they're out there. Yeah, sure. Um, my one real criticism of the movie is who the hell is Dory? Oh, yeah. The other um, help. Uh Housemaid oh, the, or something. oh the, yeah 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 um you know it's funny wasn't there a in the original batman series with uh adam west didn't he along with alfred didn't he also have a female uh, ha, uh female maid i don't think her name was dory though no it wasn't um, dory but maybe that's remember. just a maybe that's just supposed to be like a minor callback to that who who knows but i never really thought twice about about dory, i just thought it was kind of interesting that we saw another uh staff member other than Alfred, because we've never seen anyone other than Alfred. Well, it's funny that you say that, that you say that's the only criticism, because my, my only criticism of the movie is as much as I love Robert Pattinson as Batman, I cannot get over the part in his hair. I don't, yeah, I, don't I can't hair. get over I can't I'm sorry I have a certain I have a certain vision of Bruce Wayne in my head no matter what where he's at in his life and a, a, a nice part in the middle of your hair is not the vision I have for him emo sleeplessness apathetic and honestly a little unhygienic Bruce Wayne so yeah. I'm fine with it every it Bruce fits. Wayne it fits. every single Bruce Wayne on live action before this maybe not George Clooney, but I can't remember, but every single one that I could think of had slick back hair. Well, Bale yeah. didn't every always. Single, okay. But that's that's the vision. The look, but the Bale didn't series. always have it. You know, he got all scruffy and yeah, his scruffy. Uh, yeah, Howard but then Hughes when he cleaned up, it was slicked back again. But, like, the one thing with his appearance that I took a second to take in was like the first time you see him after his night out as Batman and he's got the eyeshadow yes. around his eyes. Yes. I'm like, yeah. okay, so you're early on enough that your Batman mask doesn't fit quite right. So you cover the gaps with eyeshadow. Got it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's always been darkening around, you yeah. know, it, within the, you know, under the cowl. Christian Bale's uh, yeah. Batman did it too. And yeah. I and uh, you know, they all did. <laughs> well, and I think funny. it's because we actually see him like even that opening shot and he's that voiceover and the music. You know, mentioned the music earlier. I really liked it that uh, that opening music sequence while uh, Bruce is talking and doing the voiceover about how it's been two years and this and that. Kind of yeah. had like a Dexter theme music feel to it. There were certain notes yeah. in the pitch that were very yeah. uh, Dexter feel, which I liked, and I was like, "Oh, what you trying to tell me with that?" Yeah, but right. uh, I, but he's walking around with his his smoky eye nighttime look. Raccoon. Raccoon. And it's like, I felt like that kind of made sense again early in this career is he's as ready as he can be. And since this happens to be Halloween night, 
he can get away with just walking yeah. around like that. Yeah, right. So it's like, because again, like during the funeral scene and everything and, and the car crashes in and dude's got the bomb around his neck and eventually everyone clears out. It's like, how much time has passed for him to be able to have gotten into a suit? And where was the suit? Because that's a thick ass suit. And you can't heavy tell me it, it looks heavy as shit. So he had to go back home. Right. It's like, know. did you stash it in a duffel bag a, around the corner? Found, <laughs> you know, he found a phone booth. You know, I actually, since we're on the topic of small grapes that we have the movie, there is one other thing I have. I know it said just the hair, but there is one other thing. Now this can probably be forgiven because this is early on in Batman's career. I won't say Batman's career, uh, you know, yeah. It's bat days. Yeah, I guess whatever. But all right. So at this point is two years in, Batman has already established a reputation for himself in Gotham, so much so that the GCPD has put the bat signal out. And that bat signal is meant to strike fear. They talk about that right at the beginning. And there's even a few shots of people looking up at the bat signal like, holy fuck, you know, um, I better watch out. And that one guy who was wearing the fucking mask, uh, the drop the, the drop head mask, mm -hmm. looking out into the dark alley. So people know Batman is. But what I have a gripe with is at the beginning of the film when Batman beats up that gang with the painted faces, none of them knew who the fuck he was. Like, they were just like, who are you supposed to be? And that's where we hear, I'm vengeance. You I, know? I laughed at so, that. Some people are just stupid. It's just, well, but it's like that they just they just got done establishing what the reputation he's yeah. built for himself, and then next thing you know, these people like literally that same scene. Nobody in this, none of these gang members knew who he is. I just thought that was weird. I, I laugh yeah, at that point. scene because he beats up that that gang of whatever people going around playing like that knockout game or some bullshit, and nah. then he looks up and he sees the bat signal, and my note is, "Oop, wrong baddies." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, was this not the crime I was supposed to stop? Oops, my bad. <laughs> that was funny. Um, I oh, well, I was here. I was right. in the neighborhood. I, I agree, Laura, with the hair. I, but, and that makes sense, though, that we've got emo Bruce. But it just, it, it's it unkempt. It's greasy. Yeah, yeah, just and I and I'm not saying that it has to be well like slicked back and well coiffed or anything, but it's just it's just not. It's gross. It's not a it good is. look. It looks hella greasy and gross. Well, like, it, it looked it looked halfway decent at the funeral because he made some some effort, not a lot See, of effort, but some I didn't think effort. it did. I didn't think it looked good there either. Com compared to the rest of the time yeah. you see it, yeah, that's that's what I, that was my yeah. comparison. Um. But I think it just leaned into the whole, I don't care about being Bruce Wayne and I don't care about my day in life. I don't have time for this shit, you know? So it didn't, it didn't bother me so much, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, it wasn't a good look for Robert Pattinson, like that hairstyle with his face. Ugh. No, yeah, it doesn't but work. Does I got to admit, no. he looked great in the bat suit, though. He did. I agree. He fills that, that suit out nicely. really well with the bat, <laughs> bat mask. I hope they give him bat nips in the future. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> Fine. Only if they give him a bat belly button. Too. <laughs> oh, oh right. my God. Yes. <laughs> I was like, this and get some hands stuck in his suit. <laughs> like, a, like a finger trap. <laughs> oh, that's it hilarious. It just catches you. Oh, I love oh. it. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping it up. So we'll go ahead and we kind of already did this a little bit, but any other stray bubbles y'all got floating around out there? I did write down some. I did write down uh, some things that I, aside from comic books, that I, that uh, that Matt Reeves took as uh, 
directional uh, influences towards this movie. Um, if I could actually just go over those a little bit, that would be uh, cool. Sure. Um, so aside from comics uh, that we've discussed, Matt Reeves also took several films into consideration as far as how he as influence as far as he, how he wanted to make this movie and a few of them. Um, just to throw, throw out a few names, one of them surprisingly was Joker. He actually did use the whole idea of the people coming to the side of the villain as his way of forming the Riddler. And I thought that was like the perfect inspiration of that. Uh, he took the movie Taxi Driver as an inspiration uh, for yeah. this just like dystopiated New York City, mm -hmm. you know, style place that he turns into Gotham, you know. So very cool. Uh, he also was influenced by the movie Seven. Oh, I could see that. Mm -hmm. And basically the whole idea of the bad guy giving himself up in the end just for shit to get more twisted after that. So that, that was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And the one, the one I found really surprising, but when I think about it really is not that surprising is he took influence from the movie, uh, the classic movie Chinatown, which if you've ever seen this, it's an awesome, it's an awesome uh, uh, cop movie from like, I think it came out in the 1960s or 1970s about a cop, this just this standalone cop who finds out that he's really the only clean cop in the city. And he finds out he's fighting against his fellow police officers, investigating them, investigating the corruption in like City Hall and stuff like that. So Matt Reeves, aside from comics, really was very, um, I thought it was really cool about how he pulled his influences just from all sorts of different forms of media to be able to create this one movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, still making it unique within itself. So I thought that was really awesome that uh, someone with that kind of uh, imagination can take stuff from all these different things and make it into something that feels still feel, feels really fresh and new. Mm -hmm. Laura, what about you? You got any straight uh, bubbles? I don't think we've, we've mentioned it outright, so I, I just will. Um, Andy Serkis did an awesome job. And oh yeah, we didn't talk about Alfred. You're right. Well, we talked a little bit, but we I, talked a little bit. We talked about how Bruce was talking shit about Alfred, and and you know him being the one who taught Bruce how to fight. is, yeah. is another is another influence point from Year sure. One. So mm -hmm. that was really cool, and we also saw that in Gotham. So again, yeah. I, you know, it may not be a listed influence, but it sure feels like one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, the other thing is, you know. Before you, go on, Joker's... before you go, go on, can I just add real quick about uh, Andy Serkis's Alfred is I, I really liked Andy as Alfred, but I am disappointed that we didn't get more kick-ass Alfred. I always want more kick-ass Alfred. Uh, I Gotham was spoiled you. <laughs> kind of. Well, and it's like, even in the series, he has more kick-ass moments, but he's still yeah. older, so he's not able to completely win. I should absolutely, I should totally watch the Pennyworth series and see if that's uh, going to meet my Alfred kick-ass needs. I just threw that in my queue about a week ago, so I'm I'm excited to start watching that. But yeah, I was same. I was kind of sad that uh, it was Alfred that ended up catching the bomb to the face and then being you know, hospitalized then for the rest of the movie. I was really, I had high hopes when he's, you know, helping Bruce with the cipher. And I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to get more Alfred and more hands-on and helping and maybe some more kick-assery. 
and then they tried to blow him up and then that was kind of it for alfred so i was right. i was bummed that will also go under a gripe but andy circus okay. does a really good job all the way up until then and then even in the hospital scene he does sure. amazing yeah go ahead, that was Laura. a really emotionally touching scene but again you can't have the batman universe without the joker so i i acknowledge that and i have nothing against the Joker in terms of his character or anything. I think he's amazing from a storytelling point of view. So it's usually awesome to have him. But is it wrong of me to have some Joker fatigue? And when he was in the jail cell, you know, next to Riddler's, I'm just like, yeah, I saw that coming. Okay, here we go again. I hope the second movie isn't just about him. Oh, I don't. I don't know if I feel that way. I mean, I thought that the, he. I think just the idea that they that we, they acknowledge that the Joker exists in this universe is enough. Um, I'm glad. That, did either of you watch it? Watch that cut, that the 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 cut scene with the Joker that they took out of the movie? No, I forgot about it. Okay, yeah. so there, there's a deleted scene. It's actually in the special features on the HBO uh, Max version. If you want to go back and watch it, there's a deleted scene where the Batman actually goes to Arkham to speak with the Joker to try to find out who Riddler is. It's about a five to six minute scene, and it's a really cool interaction between them, but I'm very glad that they cut, they cut it out because this is not meant to be the Joker's movie. And I felt like maybe they took it out because they didn't want to bring him in for too long to overshadow the Riddler. But I feel like what we got of the Joker, just that two minutes, three minutes, whatever he had, was just enough for us to, as fans to know that this is a Batman world where the Joker is in existence and that the Batman has already taken him down. So if we're going to move forward... Unless the Joker breaks out, whatever. No, actually, if he is the one that took him down, I remember reading some kind of interview with Matt Reeves about it, oh. and like he's he he's still developing as a character too. Oh, so I, I, don't I, really, ju I just assumed I don't really that it was know the how that fits in. Down. But okay. the thing is, you know, if it is just an acknowledgement of his of his presence and his parallel development off screen, great. I want to have more establishment more time with the other supposed major supervillains of the Gotham universe. I am yep. tired of it being the Joker and his friends. Yes. For yes. lack of a better term. Which brings Joker and friends. <laughs> that, 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 that would be a great little spin-off series, by the way. Oh, from like Harley Quinn, like an animated yeah, I watched that. Joker and Friends. Yeah. Yeah. I would like it. All right. So rewatchability and Batman ranking. Rewatchability, I've watched it three times, so I think that pretty much answers that question. I will yep. watch it again. Um, uh, Batman ranking, he is my new number one Batman. Wow. I think that's that I says a lot. I never thought I know yeah. you said that in our la the when you you and you said you first saw that, we were both just as shocked you were shocked, but I'm still shocked to hear you say that. Mm -hmm. So that really is saying a lot. I it think really I, is. I completely agree. Eric, what about you? Where does uh Good old Robbie rank in the, the Batmans. Um, well, first, as far as rewatchability goes, it's funny because after this conversation, even I do, I just watched it last night. I'm thinking about watching it again today because mm -hmm. this is getting me in the mood to watch it again. So I might do it. Uh, we'll see. But I, it's definitely rewatchable from start to finish. Your friends who said that it moved too slow or whatever it was, they, they 
No. Then go watch Batman Returns. Um, <laughs> as far as where Robert Pattinson lies as Batman, now this is a this is a hard one for me because I, I really I, I'm still a big fan of Christian Bale's Batman, despite you know the whole brute arminess of that particular Batman. This was those films is what really. Um, captured what i thought would be like the modern age of batman and i guess at the time it was but those are still amongst some of the best ever made i'm gonna have to say he's tied with christian bale for me as my number one batman i can't choose one over over the other i think what's really gonna pull them apart for me is what happens with the sequels so if they have just a good follow-up to the batman as Batman Begins had with the Dark Knight, then Robert Pattinson could very well become my favorite Batman. But I think I need at least two solid performances out of him to make that judgment for sure. But he's definitely tied for number one right now. I think that's fair. I Rewatchability for me, I watched it two and a half times because I started watching it earlier today, but didn't have time. I started it late and didn't have time to finish the three-hour movie. The three-hour tour. Uh, <laughs> as for Batman ranking, you know, per our last uh, conversation, uh, you know, when we recorded on the Batmans, I had just accepted Christian Bale as, uh, as a solid batman slash bruce so i'm not quite sure i'm ready to usurp christian from that role and i completely agree with you adam or eric <laughs> Sorry. I'll tell him you said that. <laughs> uh, but i completely agree with you in that i need i would like at least one more solid performance i think yeah. if reeves comes back and does the sequel and then possibly a third and we have a nice solid tight trilogy with uh robert as batman bruce and there's a nice progression there it will be hard to say that to uh not meant not say that he is he will be my new batman god you know what just came game. you know what just crossed my mind like mm. right now by the time if this does turn out to be a, a true trilogy by the time the last movie comes out we're probably only going to be like maybe like one two three years tops removed from 2030 yeah oh thank man. you for that <laughs> i'm sorry it just crossed my mind right. I had to say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> all right so now Eric, now we can talk about Ooh. theories and, and what would you like to see in the sequel? Again, we are running long on time, so... I am sorry. I will try to make this quick. Cliff's I've Notes been, version. I've been very excited about this portion of the conversation. I so. know you have. Thank you for being patient. <laughs> well, A little patient. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to jump ahead. I really patient don't. Patient-ish. So I took the end of this movie as a sign of things to come based on my uh experience reading the batman comic books so laura you might be a little uh familiar with this storyline so there is a particular story in the batman uh comic series called no man's land and the no man's land story uh takes place after a excruciating earthquake hit uh gotham city and instead of the uh, instead of the government attempting to rebuild Gotham, they actually decide that it would be easier to just evacuate Gotham, all of its citizens, except for its criminals, except for its criminals and for its uh, uh, a handful of police officers. So in no man's land, 
Uh, basically, all of the uh, like masked villains and stuff like that, and all of the henchmen and goons, they're just left there to fend for themselves. And during this time, Batman is MIA. And during his t- while he's MIA, Bruce Wayne's actually out lobbying, lobbying to the government to try to save Gotham. And I feel like with the flood of Gotham, that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping that we're going to get next is a no man's land style story. But at the same time, once Bruce realizes the government's not going to help, but he still wants to save Gotham. This is where he becomes more of a symbol of hope and justice as opposed as a symbol of vengeance and fear. So that is what I want to see coming from the upcoming Batman movie. And I really hope it is because it's, it, the, it, it really fits well with the can with, with what just how this last movie ended to how we could possibly move forward into this new, this new sequel. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that that's where it's going. Especially because, you know, it was implied in the voiceover and towards the end of the movie when Nirvana was playing again, that, you know, the parts of Gotham that are cut off are already being divided up amongst others. Yes. And that's when you see the the final shot with the penguin, um, you know, contemplating and scheming at the window. So, yeah, yeah. I, I see something similar to that. It's, it seems likely. Plus, you know, there's the whole seed dropped in Arkham of everyone loves a comeback story. Yeah. So I would expect the Riddler to be a part of it in some way. Oh, sure. Um, sure. Whether I mean, that I... means orchestrating something from his cell or whether that means they break out. I don't know. But uh, yeah, you can't Absolutely. have a character like that and just. And just cast him aside him. at the end of it. Right. No, and I agree. But that's why I think the No Man's Land story is a this would be a good segue into no man's land you know just evacuate the citizens of 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 gotham leave the criminals in the city and let them fend for themselves but then here's batman who still believes in this city he fights for it he bruce wayne lobbies for it and like i said instead of becoming this symbol of fear and vengeance this is where batman's gonna become a symbol of hope and justice and that's what i want to see out of the sequel I hope that we see Bruce Wayne find his feet as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And I think we will. I think, I think we, we will. will. Absolutely. We got we got a little bit that of that with Christian Bale's version too. So we did. Where, yeah. Where he started to kind of be a little bit more comfortable in playing that Bruce role and maintaining that image. So. Absolutely. I also want to like I hope that, you know. Some of it is is Bruce coming to terms with his past, and yeah. maybe it, maybe it's like the year one storyline where he he is responsible for Arkham becoming what it is. Uh, and again, it was like in a uh, an attempt to help those who struggle with, with mental health, like his mother and these criminals, and even himself. So yeah, sure. I, I would like to see that part addressed too, like. We're we're supposedly woke now. Let's let's address mental health head on for what it is. I I hope that that's in, that's in there. With regards to mental health, I did have a little note that um, Bat slash Bruce journals and that's healthy, mm-hmm. and that his self self care 
isn't going to look like our self-care. So that's just at the beginning when he's right now, like just all the events of, of the evening and what happened. And it's just mm-hmm. more of like a, a log or a record. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, he's journaling. He's doing bullet journaling. Good for him. That's one step <laughs> towards a healthier lifestyle than maybe we've seen in the past of right, right. Nancy Bruce. Yeah. I want to see him acknowledging and maybe addressing to whatever degree appropriate his his own psychological issues mm-hmm. um, instead yeah. of the classic of pretending that Batman's fine because he's doing it for the right reasons, but everyone else is bad shit. Yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. Even if he Hey-o. just confides more in an Alfred or something, yeah, I think would be, I think just a huge kind of good positive step for for the bats so absolutely as for me i'm you know at this point i'm pretty open to anything i'd love to see a lot of these characters our villains come back in uh a more exciting kind of on that verge of kind of role and and Mm storyline i would like to see some uh not necessarily new villains Although that's always nice to get newer villains, ones that we don't see a lot. You know, uh, Laura, you mentioned Joker fatigue. I can totally see see that. Um, I the the Joker scene in the movie with Riddler was fine. I didn't really love it or hate it. I didn't. It's it's there. And like you said, Eric, kind of more or less to acknowledge that Joker is here. I did laugh that he is locked up because you know the joke in Harley Quinn is that people get thrown into Arkham and then they kind of more or less decide when they're going to leave because they're just yeah. going to break out. So I was like, oh, so this Joker's taking a little mini vacation, more self-care, <laughs> taking time for himself. <laughs> this is how he unwinds. Yes. <laughs> so, but I'd be open to, you guys know how much I love Poison Ivy, so I would like to see a more Harley Quinn version of Poison Ivy uh, mm-hmm. on a movie scale. And nothing, nothing as campy as we got with uh, Uma Thurman's poison ivy. But I'm, I'm pretty open. I just would like to see a nice, solid progression of these characters and mm-hmm. how they continue to grow to become the characters that we all know and love as is. Maybe a few tweaks and changes here and there, but you know, as we've said before, as long as the kind of the core of that character is still there and intact, yeah. uh, great. So. That's really all I kind of. I would love like to, to see Matt Reeves' version of Bane. I, I, you know, I think he could. I think he, I think that he could piggyback off of Christopher uh, uh, Christopher Nolan's version of Bane and just turn it into something. Just take that and put it. Put, take that menacing level up another notch, and just that. Since we're on the subject of like like the t- sort of terrorist style. I mean, I know it's already been done, but I still think I would love to see him come back. So here's point. the thing. Bane with the Christopher Nolan movies was supposed to be menacing, and he certainly was. But that voice took on a life of its own and has totally kind of put Bane just in a completely different sphere now. So I don't know if piggybacking off of Nolan's portrayal is smart, because... Well, it doesn't help that the Harley Quinn show totally exactly. stole. Like, the, 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 oh, I know, but it's it. it's doing it's doing that for a reason. It's because yeah. it, it had already taken on that life. Like that voice is his own persona. Your treachery <laughs> will will be avenged. <laughs> oh man! But, but seriously, 
Bain is supposed to be a master tactician. Where is that? That's what I want. Show me that. Not Without the voice. And, and you know, it's got a chance. I but if it say- is anything, anything like... Nolan's Bane, or if it's anything like the mindless goon that he wants for Uma Thurman's <laughs> Poison Ivy, it's not going to fly. Right. All right. Fair enough. Do you think we just maybe need a bit more time and maybe we'll let Reeves finish off his version of Batman, give it 10 years, and then when they go back and redo it, then we can bring Bane back? Will enough no, time we have to. Bring... <laughs> that's going to be the that's going to be the age of Condiment King right there. <laughs> uh. Condiment King versus Kite Man. Hell yes. yeah. There's a Kite Man series in the works. I saw that. I know. I know. So, that's exciting. Hell yeah. All right. Well. Hell yeah. This has been fucking amazing. I've been so Woo! excited for this conversation since the movie dropped on HBO Max because I'm terrible at getting to the theater to see anything. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for holding out and waiting for me to sit down and watch it and then joining me today. I... This was I fucking love it. It's it's so good. I and I feel like we could go on for another like four fucking hours. But can I make one more comment if you don't mind? <laughs> I was just gonna say I, I don't want to because I, mean, <laughs> I have to edit this. Okay, what? <laughs> My last comment is seriously, of all the conversations I think us three have had together, this has been one of the best ones that I think that we've had because I don't think we've ever discussed a movie or a show for that matter where we have been so satisfied with every character and almost every aspect of how it was done. So I, I just really want to say that this is going to be a, I think, I really think this is going to be a new classic and I think I'm, so too. and I'm very, very glad this was the movie we got. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Now I'm done. <laughs> okay. And then my dumb ass finds one more note that I want to just say real quick. So we see the bat signal and everything at the beginning of the movie. We see the Batmobile. We know that. The sign, the signal, the mobile, and the suit, and even the cave have all taken on different uh, looks over the years, you know, with director's visions and whatnot. But within the Batverse, I couldn't help but think, is that just part of, like, the upgrade package when Bruce decides he wants a new suit or a new Batmobile? Is then he funds a new signal to the GCPD? He's like, hey, look, I got a new look. I got a new vibe. I'm really feeling this bat nipple thing. So here's a new bat signal. It's, with, it's nipples. A, <laughs> with nipples. There's little <laughs> holes cut out in the bat <laughs> Um, Just right, like right, right, right where the bottom of the wings come. <laughs> it's about aesthetics. <laughs> oh my god, that was great. Uh, so that's just a silly, like bullshit kind of thing that made me chuckle because I like the I like the bat signal. I like that bat look uh, symbol that look that we get in this movie. Um, but it's just like, yeah, who keeps funding these? It's got to be Bruce when he decides to upgrade everything and get himself a True. new suit and some new gadgets. And oh, and then his contacts, his little uh, Black Mirror esque fucking oh, like spy camera contacts. contacts. I love yeah, that. Those are sweet. Those are great, but at the same time, I'm like, no, Black Mirror, you sit down. This isn't your movie. <laughs> Funny. That's you know, like, I feel back out. on the bad signal. I feel like Jim Gordon is the one who funds it. If Harley Quinn's animated series is anything to go by, <laughs> that's like his baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love that version of Gordon so much and it is so different from anything but it's such an exaggerated take on how obsessed and how much in love and dependent he is on Batman. Codependent, <laughs> and, 
And Christopher Maloney, fucking Detective Stabler from the SVU, is the voice. And I love it so much. You're a good cop, Jim Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> You're a damn good cop. <laughs> All right. Did anybody, did other people even felt, feel like that, like, like Wayne Manor looked a lot like, like Dracula's castle? On yeah, the on the inside, it goes with the emo. Yeah, it's just yeah. like everything came down to very sharp spikes everywhere, and everything looks so dark. I was like, "Damn, dude, this looks like a vampire's fortress." It's the perfect <laughs> place to raise a, a child. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> totally. Okay, so enough silliness. Now let's get down to business. Oh shit! The Uh-oh. six degrees of Nicolas Cage, the oh, Batman right. edition. Woo. So, uh, let's see. I got there. I. Hold on. How many steps? Two steps I got in there. But there was a couple other ones that I just jotted down off to the side. So let's see. Laura. Yeah. How many steps did it take you? I'm going to have to count as I say it. Okay. Okay. So um, Nicolas Cage was directed by Joel Schumacher in 8mm. Joel Schumacher directed Phone Booth with Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell is Penguin in The Batman. Oh, I didn't think about Phone Booth. That's a good one, Laura. Very good. Yeah. Good go with the directors. Yeah, right? Nice. All right, and Eric? Okay, so this was mine. Very recently, Nicolas Cage starred in the movie The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. With the amazing Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal also starred as the villain in the horrible Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, that's right. But he was th- in that. He was. He was the villain. And, uh, but you know what? We could forgive him for this. We could forgive him He's for that. He's the Mandalorian. It's fine. Exactly. This is the way. This is so. The way. I mean, that wasn't the way, but this, everything else. Uh, Go ahead. You're right. But also. Pedro Pascal. <laughs> yes, but co-starring, but co-starring with Pedro Pascal in Wonder Woman 1984, just so happened to also be Chris Pine. Okay, who in Wonder Woman 1984 played Steve Trevor, but also voiced a little character in a movie called Spider-Man Into the Vi- Spider-Verse, and he voiced a little character named Peter Parker. And co-starring with Chris Pine in that movie just so happened to be. Zoe Kravitz, who also voiced Mary Jane Watson, who also played Catwoman in the Batman. Very good. I'm getting I felt, this. I felt like you could have gotten so you could have Was Nick Cage in there? Nick yeah, Nick Cage, hey. he is yeah, but... Batman Noir. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I forgot. Did I not mention that? No, you didn't. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he, yes, he so he so Nick Cage in that movie and in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse played spider-man noir from yeah. one of the multiverses i'm sorry i skipped see, a step see and it's interesting that you went uh kind of uh i guess in a in a way not necessarily backwards but you started with a cage flick a nick flick and then worked your way to batman because uh, you could have gone batman with zoe kravitz straight to the spider-verse and uh, gotten your nick not gotten your nick cage in one step i'm still getting used to this that's okay so that's it was like double yeah it was double bonus or whatever and and then the fact that like i didn't think of just going zoe kravitz 
straight to Spider-Verse to get to Nick Cage. Cause I always try to take a different path and I've yeah. gotten to Cage flick by way of Spider-Verse, but not Zoe Kravitz. Oh, so okay. I, I try to avoid repeating uh, any past paths. So, but I like that. I like that you went backwards. I think I like that we got Pedro Pascal because we all love Pedro America's mm-hmm. ketchup or, <laughs> you know, uh, the people's ketchup packet. Um, but so I like it. You know what? There's no wrong way to do it. As long as you get from whatever title we're talking about to a cage flick or vice versa in six steps or less. Perfect. So I went with, uh, Jeffrey Wright, you know, as, uh, Gordon, uh-huh. he voices uh, the he does a voice in the What If animated series uh, Marvel, and he's the Watcher. Oh yeah, and Samuel L. Jackson also does voice for Nick Fury in that. Now from Sammy, I can go a couple ways, but my first way I went, um, oh yes, because the okay, let me start again, because each step is a plug of an episode because I'm trying to get better at plugging myself. God damn it, I wasn't gonna say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I'm Come on, Ben. Candidate number three. <laughs> All right. I'm zipping my lips on this one. <laughs> oh my lord! I feel is my face. My face feels hot. It's pretty okay, red. <laughs> so. All right. So, so yes. What if he's he Jeffrey Wright voices the Watcher in What If? Uh, part of the MCU. I have covering the MCU phase by phase with uh, my buddy Marty uh, at Marty podcast on Twitter for phases one and two are available. So from there with through Samuel L. Jackson, we get to RoboCop 2014, which I have also covered as part of my original versus remake with my friend Dozer. And we covered the original RoboCop to the remake of RoboCop. And I have all sorts of loud thoughts on it. Um, but Jay Barucho is also in 2014 RoboCop, and he is the apprentice in the Sorcerer's yeah. Apprentice. Oh, cool. So other routes I from love Sammy. How Eric said that. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then Laura's just like, yes. <laughs> um, other steps from Sammy is he also does a voice in the animated movie Astro Boy. And he was in the movie Kiss of Death with Nicolas Cage. Oh, that's cool. So. Nice. Oh, my God. Holy shit. This has been great. It's been a long, amazing conversation. It's probably been, you know, we're my timer's at like almost four hours, but I know we haven't been recording that entire time. But just like the movie, I think everything is relevant and has its place. And this time has gone by quite quickly. And I have enjoyed every emo loving minute of it. <laughs> so I want to thank you guys so much for joining me today and talking about the Batman again. And mm-hmm. I will always talk about Batman, the Batmans, all of them at any given time. And this was so much fun. Yeah. Is yeah, where I, I'm rambling on. <laughs> I, I love our DC talks. I really, really do. Likewise. I've loved these. These have been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So again, thank you guys so much for joining uh, uh, joining me today. And thank you, my lovely bubblies, for listening and hanging out with us today in the Pod Bat Cave. And 
keep streaming. Bye. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I was really hoping for a Bane bye. Damn it, Laura. I'm sorry. Bye. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming. I'm going to blow this podcast up. <laughs> <laughs>